0: Hey everybody, Angela Bowen here, the host of Looking Back on My Wonder Years, a Wonder Years podcast. Well, since it's July 1st, I thought, you know what, it's a new month, and it's time to break into some summer movies, and one in particular from my childhood. Now, real quick, I want to say, even though this is a Looking Back on My Wonder Years podcast, a Wonder Years podcast, and yes, I've covered All of the Wonder Years now. If you think about it. It's not just about the show The Wonder Years. It's also about my Wonder Years. And the TV shows and the movies that I grew up with. And if you think about it. If you're a 90's kid. You grew up with the sports movie of all sports movies. And to me. The kids 90's sports movies definitely are going to be Sandlot. Mighty Ducks. Little giants, and then of course you had the big green. Um, I'm <laughs> on, on the lesser end, so of course, yes. The Sandlot came out in 1993. Let me check the release date here. April 7th, 93. Now I most likely probably would have seen it, in its second run, in you know the cheap theaters that are like a buck 99. I saw it twice in the theater. It's funny because the first time I saw it. I I saw a lot of movies with my grandma, and half the time she'd end up falling asleep. And I remember, so then when I saw it a second time with my aunt and cousins, (laughs) I already knew what had happened. And I'm like, oh my gosh, check out this scene. Oh my gosh, this is going to end. And the lady in front of us with her kids is like, can you please not? We haven't seen the movie. Can you not spoil it for us? (laughs) Yeah. All right, so I'm going to read the synopsis of the movie. We'll get into who directed it and the stars of the movie. All right, in the summer of 1962, a new kid in town is taken under the wing of a young baseball prodigy and his rowdy team, resulting in many adventures. This movie's got a 7.8 out of 10 rating on IMDb. The movie's about an hour and 41 minutes, so it's like 11 minutes longer than a normal 90-minute movie. David Mickey Evans is the director. I want to see if he had a hand in any of the uh, sequels that came out. Okay, so he did direct The Sandlot 2, which... Eh, it's got the kid... You know how Ham... um, Patrick Renna plays Ham in this movie? He's also in The Big Green. The kid who was in the movie Bad Santa in 2003 kind of plays that role in the sequel. And then, of course, have you seen the movie Switched at Birth? The guy who plays... Emmett, Sean Birdie, plays in the Sandlot, too. Oh my gosh, he directed First Kid? Really? Because I'm covering that on the podcast at some point. Oh, Beethoven's third and fourth? Ew. I'm sorry, but anything over the second of Beethoven. I'm just like, no, thank you. No, thank you. He also directed, oh, uncredited Radio Flyer, which has Elijah Wood and Joseph Mazzello. It's a good movie, however, it strongly depicts, mainly it's off screen, child abuse. But the movie is really, really good. Well, looks like David M., or Mickey Evans, has done a lot of sequels. Ace Ventura, Pet Detective Junior. Oh, gross. What in the what is this? Mm, another dog movie. Okay. Smitty. Never heard of it. He's got up seven upcoming projects. I swear one of them was going to be... Oh, it says untitled prequel. Uh, pro- okay, do we need a prequel? Do we need a prequel? I thought this was going to be something where all the people are, of the cast are returning as themselves, as adults, who are, like, coaching their own kids in Little League or The Sandlot or whatever. I, I wasn't under the impression that's... What? How are you doing a pre... something? I don't know. Oh, Squins 3. What in the world is this thing? Well, it's, I don't know what that is. Okay, okay, let's get back to the matter at hand here. Here we go, here we go. So, cast, we got my favorite. You guys were probably, oh, I bet you liked Benny. And I like Benny, yeah, yeah. But no. My heart belonged to Scotty Smalls. I always, I always, if you guys listen to other podcasts, I probably mentioned, I like the quiet ones. The shy ones. Um, Yes, we got Tom Gurry playing Scotty Smalls. He's been in quite a few roles over the years. um, Especially when he was starting out. Um, A Place to Be Loved was a TV movie I saw So, 94, we would have seen him play in the movie Lassie, which, yes, I do plan to do that movie, because I love it so much. He was in a movie called The Last Home Run. Um, About that movie, another baseball movie. Um, He plays the young version of his 90-something-year-old self, or, let me read, okay. Let's see. Dying Dr. Jonathan Lyle's last wish is granted to be young again and play baseball, but only for five days. You want to know how I learned about this movie? It was through the book Marley and Me. The dog Marley, the actual Marley, was in this movie. You can search YouTube, Last Run Home, or just put in Marley the Dog movie. Well,. Not the 2008 movie, but Marley the dog in the last home run or whatever. And it should pop up. He was also in the movie, it's called Strike, but actually would I remember this movie as all I want to do? Oh my gosh, Tom Gurry was so, oh, but this is my jam back in 1998. Man, he was my, he he was my guy. I was like, oh, Tom Gurry. Okay, let's move on. And then from there, he kind of went on to some other movies. Um, Tom Gurry also had issues with the law. One movie that I definitely 100,000% will never recommend because it's quite disturbing. It's called The Mudge Boy. It came out in 2003. It's got Neil Hirsch and Tom Gurry. Um, there, yeah, there's a, a rape scene between Tom, Tom Gurry's raping... Emile Hirsch's character and it's not it's it's creepy guys it's it's one of those images that it once it's in your brain you can't unsee that it's disturbing. Mike v- Vitar plays Benny of course you also would know him in 94 the preview the next year after the Sandlot he's going to go on and play Louise Mendoza in D2 and D3. And that's pretty much it. Um, he was in, uh, played a teenager in NYPD Blue, an episode before D3. He was in Chicago Hope in, in 97. And then he pretty much just dropped out. I thought he like became like a firefighter or something. All right, we got Patrick Renna, Hamilton Ham Porter. This guy was in Son-in-Law, which I did review that movie last 2019 Thanksgiving. Go check it out. Um, let's see what he kind of did. Sandlot 93, Son in Law 93. I don't know what the show called, Getting Bites. Summertime Switch. He was in that. The Big Green in 95. He played a Larry Musgrove. I think I might, because it is on Disney Plus, I might cover The Big Green at some point. He was in an episode. Oh, this is what's interesting, guys. This is very. Okay. Boy Meets World. You know the TV show? In the first season. Or maybe it was uh this was season three. Patrick Renna was in an episode of Boy Meets World. But the boy who played Yeah Yeah, I think it's Alan something, and then Chauncey who played Squints were both in an episode of Boy Meets World in like the first season. It's like, oh my gosh. It's the uh kids from the sandlot are gonna be on boy meets for for an episode you might not know they may not have a character name but they're there so mm. yeah just uh a bunch of bit parts bunch of bit parts okay okay let's move on from patrick chauncey Party played, I, I'm sorry, I mispronounced your name. So he played a character in the beginning of Casper. You, it's kind of one of those, if you, it. he's just in the beginning of Casper with this other boy, like, hey, let's take a Polaroid picture to prove that we are here at Whipstaff Manor. He was also in Father of the Bride. He was in The Sandlot Heading Home, which came out in 07. He was playing himself. He was in Freaks and Geeks. I think he played a bully. He was in an episode of Seventh Heaven. Um, What else? Um, He was in The Big Green also? Oh, no. Okay. I remember him from House Guest. Or House Guest. Excuse me. Yes. Alright, let's see here. We got Marty York playing Al- Okay, the character's name is Alan McLean, but is Yeah, yeah, he's kind of cute. Yeah, all right. Um, other than Boy Meets World, that was pretty much it. He played a couple of characters: Brandon Quinton J, uh, Brandon Quinton Adams. You guys would also know him prior to the Sandlot, playing Kenny DeNunez. He played Jesse Hall in the mighty ducks and d2 the mighty ducks all right cool cool oh he was also in a episode of a couple episodes of fresh prince of bel-air all right awesome good for him it's a couple episodes of a different world um who's this grant grover person oh grant gelt i um, just looking for what he was in, a uh, TV movie called... The- oh, he was also in an episode of Point Meets World, where all of them, except for Benny and Smalls, were the only ones that weren't there? Uh, let's see. Okay, Dennis Leary, of course, is going to be playing uh, the stepfather, Scotty's stepfather. I'll just call him Smalls, because we all know him as Smalls, so... Um, Tom Gurria-Smalls. Karen Allen, of course, of Indiana Jones fame, plays his mom. We got James Earl Jones playing Mr. Myrtle, but we're not going to see him to like, the end of the movie. Marley Shelton plays Wendy Peffercorn. <laughs> we got anyone. Will Horniff plays Phillips. Yep, Will Horniff, if you've seen the movie Born to be Wild... 95, I plan to cover that. Um, Also, he was in The Yearling, um, a remake in 90 TV Movie 94. I plan to also cover that one. So, alright. Alright, let's jump into some trivia. Director David Mickey Evans had one clear instruction for Chauncey Laparty During the pool scene, when he kisses Wendy Peppercorn, keep your tongue in your mouth. (laughs) Yeah, Exactly. The older and younger Benny are played by real-life brothers Pablo Vittar and Mike Vittar. In order to establish the close bond between Smalls and Benny, the director had Tom Gurry and Mike Vittar meet and rehearse together weeks before the rest of the kids showed up to film. It worked so well that the other kids genuinely believed the two actors had been friends for a long time. Every time a scene features Wendy Peffercorn, a song by the Drifters is played. Yeah, because when she's walking down the street... The song, There Goes My Baby, is playing, and then there's the, this magic moment when, during the whole mouth-to-mouth resuscitation thing, came up. P.F. Flyers were brought back for a limited time after this movie. P.F. Fly- Are those shoes, P.F. Flyers? Mr. Myrtle shows the boys a photo of himself with Babe Ruth and Lou Ge- Gehrig? Of course, it is a retouched photo. Jones' head was put on the body of Hall of Fame slugger Jimmy Fox, who was a real player pictured with Ruth and Gehrig. Gehrig? Is that right? The real photo can be seen in many baseball books. The vomit used in the ride scene was made from split pea soup, baked beans, oatmeal, a little water, and some movie gel. They used paint guns to discharge it, and they actually nailed a few people in real real life by accident. The chewing tobacco was made from beef jerky and licorice. What kind of licorice? Is it the gross black licorice that nobody on earth likes, yet they still keep... Somebody on this earth likes that garbage. And that's why they still make it to this day. You want to know what's nasty? Twizzlers, you know, they'll put out, like, different flavors every once in a while. Now, the orange cream's good. Have you tried the Hershey's chocolate Twizzlers? They're fucking gr- I mean, if you guys like them, that's cool. But I just, just, some things don't need to go together. And Hershey's chocolate and licorice are not those things. Somebody in my childhood home actually liked black licorice. It wasn't me. I don't think my dad was into it. Maybe. We had it in the house in my parents' bedroom. One of my parents must have liked that stuff. You know, when I was thinking of the movie, because I've seen this movie a billion times, when the kids are coming off the ride and that vomit is just all over them, it's got like an orange, like, SpaghettiOs color to it. In Benny's Dream, Babe Ruth says, I don't know why, but I don't know why. But I can't, can I have this? When referring to Hank Aaron's baseball card, Hank Aaron would go on to break Babe Ruth's all-time home run record. Writer and director David Evans is the narrator of the film. For most of the filming, the days were very hot. However, during the filming of the pool scene, it was overcast and the water was 56 degrees. All the kids were extremely cold and could be seen shivering. I remember the kids were like, You can literally see the goosebumps breaking out on their skin. And I have a Blu-ray player here, so I'm sure it'll be even more detailed. During the filming of the chase scene, temperatures rose so high that Tom Gurry became dizzy and ran into one of the cameramen. Okay, somebody needs to be displaying, you know, giving the kids, making sure they're rehydrated. I don't know about Gatorade. Someone says there's a lot of sugar in that, maybe. Powerade, Some electrolytes. But then again, maybe there were people doing that. Who knows? And maybe... I remember, I'm sure you guys, if you're long-time listeners of this podcast, you will remember when I had an incident at my job. It was, like, mid-August. It was really hot. I was drinking water, and I was also drinking pop, too. Um, and I just, like, something just came over me, and I just felt dizzy, sick to my stomach, even. I just started walking, and I... I dropped. I was, like, I blacked out, basically. I had, had to go to the emergency room, but, yeah. Oh, this movie was shot in 42 days, so, like, a month and almost two weeks. Dog Hercules was an English Mastiff. Actually, guys, um, I do currently, I'm staring at... Well, last month, June was actually um Hercules. We don't learn the dog's name until the end. The dog's name is just the beast until the end of the movie. Um, spoiler alert. <laughs> um, but I have the Sandlot calendar for 2020. When the boys are in the pool watching Wendy Peppercorn, the dialogue, she don't know what she's doing. And the answer, yeah, she does. She knows exactly what she's doing. It's the same in a similar scene in Cool Hand Luke from 1967. I've not seen it. I've not seen the movie. All of the Sandlot kids are wearing P.F. Flyers or Converse Chuck Taylors throughout the movie. Five of the members of the Sandlot baseball team, Patrick Renna, Cha- Chauncey Lepardi, Marty York, Brandon Quinton Adams, and Grant Gelt, had roles in different episodes of Boy Meets World. And Art Lafleur. The great Bambino was also later featured in Boy Meets World. And that is an interesting connection. I think that is... I didn't know the guy who plays um, Kenny DeNunez, because I'm staring at him right now. He's the picture for uh, the month of July. The hat that Kenny is wearing is that of the Kansas City Monarchs, were a Negro League team active from 1920 to 1965. Oh, cool. I learned so much through this stuff I know that anybody could like put up on IMDB whatever they want but contrary to what was previously stated about ba- babe Ruth not playing with bass Black baseball players due to Jackie Robinson not breaking baseball's color line until 1947. What the film does not explain is that major leaguers used to barnstorm in the offseason with players from the Negro Leagues. According to John Hallway, a Negro League historian, Ruth played against Negro leaguers in Cuba all over New Jersey and out west in Kansas City and St. Louis. When the narrator is describing how everyone grew up towards Anna, it says that Bertram Grant Gelt got really into the 60s and no one ever heard from him again. And in real life, Gelt would go on to land a part in the 60s TV movie in 1999. I've seen it. It has Julia Stiles. It's really good. Oh, that's right! James Earl Jones was in the Field of Dreams movie. Oh, apparently in real life, he actually hates baseball. Many of the young actors snuck into a nearby movie theater to watch Basic Instinct. Really? Is this fact? Really? I wonder. Han Porter's famous line, You're killing me, Smalls, is a paraphrase of the famous quote, They're killing me out there, Whitey, spoken by Denver Broncos coach Lou Saban. The line was also paraphrased the previous year in another baseball-themed film, A League of Their Own. I still gotta watch A League of Their Own. I, I, I hear it's just such a good movie. Everywhere you go, if you're looking for graphic tee, I think I got at least one or two You're Killing Me Smalls t-shirts with the group of guys on it. I even had one that had ham on there saying, You're Killing Me Smalls. Oh, if I didn't know this, I would have jumped on it. On September 25th, 2018, La La Land Records released a limited edition of the score to the film, limited to 1,500 copies. Previously, a shorter edition was released in a limited edition paired with another film score, blah, 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 which sold out. Oh, this is one of the most popular baseball movies in front of Rookie of the Year, which was released the same year. Yeah, definitely, I'd say Stan over Rookie of the Year. Alright, here's some taglines, and I'll decide which one I like the best. The adventure of a lifetime, the summer of their dreams, the dog of their nightmares. Mm. No uniforms, no problem, no girls, no problem, no ball, big problem. Okay, that one sucks. They're more than a team. They're the best buddies in the entire history of the world. A piece of paradise, a half block wide, and a whole summer long. Um, cool. Most of them kind of aren't that great. Uh, The adventure of a lifetime, the summer of their dreams, the dog of their nightmares. I'm gonna go with that being out of all four of them, that's my fave. So it looks like the majority of this movie was all filmed in Utah. I hear it gets pretty hot up. Okay, here we go. Box office, boom. Opening weekend, four million. Gross, thirty-two million. Worldwide gross, thirty-four million. I want to get into the movie, so I'm going to save any goofs and some user reviews for the end of the movie. So I'm I'm just, I'm excited. I'm ready to get into it. I do plan, I'm actually going to put this out on the 4th of July because there is a 4th of July scene in this movie. So, All right, so we begin the movie. We see a guy walking down a hallway and turns out he's in a sports arena. It looks like he goes into an announcer's booth. And then comes the narration of adult Scotty Smalls. And he's talking about this greatest accomplishment in baseball ever. In 1932, Babe Ruth raised his arm and pointed to the center field bleachers. He's just saying how no one no one believed it because no one had ever done it before. Okay? Okay. Apparently, the Babe was calling his shot. Gotcha. Alright, that's great. So, on the next pitch, the Great Bambino, as people have been known to call Babe Ruth, hit a towering 400-foot home run. Wow. That's that's great. You know, if I were a baseball fanatic, I would be so into that in- information. So basically, before he made that hit, Babe Ruth is, was already known as a hero. But apparently, this 400-feet hit home run made him a legend. And as the this adult, Scott Smalls, who will later learn that's his name, because he turns his head to the left and we see a portrait of eight kids in a picture. And the narrator says, 30 years later, a kid named Benjamin Franklin Rodriguez became a neighborhood legend. And we learn that the narrator is actually connected to this story. So this movie's pretty much just playing out This one summer, the greatest summer of his life, when Benny taught him how to play baseball and got him out of, you're going to hear this term a lot, got him out of the biggest pickle ever. Basically pickle meaning like, you know, scrape, mishap, adventure, whatever you want to call it. And Benny became his best friend. That's awesome. Oh, yeah, he says he'd got me out of the biggest pickle I'd ever been in. And we flashed to the schoolyard. So I guess school's just about letting out. But we flashed to the schoolyard sand lot. Displaying 50s music. I actually, um, in fourth or fifth grade, I'm trying to remember when, one of those two probably right around, probably is fifth grade, because the movie came out in 93. Um, if you guys were in school, you did Scholastic book orders that would come in once a month. You'd, like, order something. Like, most books were, like, under $4. And a lot of, the, in the 90s, there were so many movie novelizations for a lot of the 90s kids' movies. Um, I happened, I don't have it anymore. I had a whole bunch of movie novelizations. One in which was The Sandlot. And I, now I'm just kicking myself for not holding on to all of those. I just really, I just wish I knew. I probably, I'm gonna probably throw them out. I guess. I, I just, I feel bad. Like, uh But then again, when you're a kid, you're, you're probably, eh, I'm not gonna read these anymore. You're not gonna think, oh, maybe 25 years later down the road, when I'm an adult and wanna feel nostalgic, I want, I'll wanna look at those books again. So basically, Benny is showing the schoolyard kids how it's done as he hits a home run. This is the only time you're going to see anything to do with school. You don't see the, I don't even think, do you see the school in the background? I don't know. But after this, it's like summer's here. School is out. You see all the kids from the sandlot sitting on the bench. I didn't think they get to play. We'll see them play later. That's why they're, they're. That's why they're on the bench. They're saving the best for later. Benny just got to prove himself to all these schoolyard kids that he is. He's the shit. He is the major, major shit. He is that good. I was gonna say, what the heck are the kids like running onto the? F- kids running onto the field for in the middle of the game, it's like oh, let's get up closer. Benny, I'm not sure what this is called, but it keeps running back between, what, second and third base? And the boys keep throwing the ball trying to tag him out. Alright, now we're going to the suburbs. So, we see the Sandlot kids kind of splitting off. They all pretty much live in the same neighborhood. Thanks to the subtitles, we hear Benny telling, like, one of the guys, like, hey, 9 a.m. tomorrow, get your ass down to the Sandlot, because we're going to start playing some ball. We're going to do it all day. All day, every day. We do see Scotty, our main character, who, of course, the adult Scotty, is narrating. And he is helping unload a U-Haul. Which is, it's a small U-Haul. It's like one of those trailer U-Hauls. It's not very big. So, adult Scotty tells us that he moved to the neighborhood... Around two weeks before school let out. So really, there wasn't any time to go and make best friends before summer hit. Apparently, it's the same summer, according to Scotty, that Dodger Maury Wills would break the stolen bases record. Cool. That's, that's great. I love how Benny pretty much lives across the street from S- Smalls. And as Benny... <laughs> You see Scotty like, hey, like this big old wave. And I love how Benny just kind of gives him like the nod, like what's up kind of thing. Like doesn't even, like, (laughs) yeah. Of course, we got to hear Smalls' sad backstory about how I was from another state and I didn't have a single friend in a thousand miles. So Scotty, of course, is fixing himself some chocolate milk. And he's saying how his real dad died when he was just a little kid. So I'm get, if he's 11 or 12 there, then he's probably saying his dad died when he was like 4 or something. Okay, so his mom married Bill a year before they moved to the valley, which is where they're living. Okay, so they're, he basically says we're still kind of getting used to each other. <laughs> oh boy. Which is interesting because a year la- later in 94 in the movie Lassie... It's his mom that's dead, and he's having to get used to a new stepmom. So it's, oh my god, this kid! So, we see this glorious trophy room. I mean, if you were into baseball memorabilia, I mean, this is a baseball fanatic's wet dream here. This is just pennants, hats, trophies, signed baseballs, autographed pictures in frames, you name it, this guy's got it. This could go for a shit ton on eBay, I'm sure. I swear, when I was working at Blockbuster, that one of the Sandlot sequels of what, I think it might be headed Heading Home or Headed Home or whatever with Luke Perry. I remember one of the clips with him saying as a kid, like, oh, I wonder how much this could go for on eBay, and the kids were looking at him like, eBay? Because... He's like going back. He's like an adult going back in time to like the late 70s or the late 60s or whatever. This is another big problem he has. He can't decide what to call him. Do I call him Bill? Do I call him Dad? It's like, okay, when we're alone, I'll call you Bill, but in front of my mom, I'll make sure to call you Dad because I know that's what she wants. So, of course. Scotty's all like, hey, um, do you remember when you said you'd teach me how to play catch? And Bill's not even really paying. He's like, oh, yeah, uh uh-huh, sure. As he's, like, wiping off his trophies. It's like, um, well, could you maybe teach me? It's like, oh, yeah, 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 sure, sure. Some sometime down the road. It's like, oh, you will. That's great. Uh, okay, I'll leave you alone now with your trophies and your Baseballs. Bye. It is such a non-committal... Yeah. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I'll you, sure. <laughs> On the day you leave for college, I will teach you to throw a baseball. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta ask. Is he really asking because he wants to learn? Or is his mom kind of pushing him? Because we're going to see her pushing her son into, uh... Like, oh, did you ask him? This is clearly her doing... Like, she wants the two... Men in her life to mingle and connect and clearly every red American red-blooded boy in the 1959 or 62 or whatever year this is supposed to be is going to be into the baseball. Dang, this guy's got a lot of pennants. What's that? What's that say? Is it? That? That's not yeah. That's Yankees. Okay. Athletes, Brooklyn, Dodgers... What in the hell is that one? Something. What is that? Is that, like, something Indians? I can't tell what that is. What's that one? What is that? Phil? Philadelphia? Something or other? I can't read. Apparently it was in the Air Force, too. I noticed some medals from the Air Force. Oh, of course, we get a close up shot of the ball that will come into play later. This Babe Ruth ball. That is just, I mean, he's got a pedestal for this thing. A little three-prong pedestal to display it. Let me tell you, Dan Scott from One Tree Hill, even though he's a big basketball player fan, he would be busting a nut at this guy's room. My good golly, almighty. So, next morning... He, I think he heard Benny say to one person, like, hey, 9am, be at the sand lot." So, we got Scotty wearing this dork-ass hat with the longest brim ever. And he's wearing khakis and a button-up shirt with a Fisher-Price plastic glove he got when he was, like, two. It's in drugstore. Apparently, according to the sign in the window, you can get baby lotion for 59 cents. And you can get aspirin for $0.83. Cents. So Scotty is pretty much trying to be stealthy, but not. He actually says he did follow them once after school to see this place, so he's kind of been stalking them. He's pretty much saying how this is like a baseball kingdom. It's kind of a um, a little out-of-the-way out of spot. You don't see any other kids from school other than the group that's here. The guys got the place for themselves. He got that mitt from his grandma when he was six. That plastic Fisher Price thing. So, Scotty's giving us the DL on these kids. You know, they don't keep score. They don't choose sides. They just play. It's like an endless game that just goes on forever. And he's kind of saying how they only got eight. They don't got a full team. So, I mean, I could just stand out in the background here by this rusted out vehicle and this garbage bin and the weeds and just take up space. You know, like, when you have to do the... fit. I did this in Phys Ed too in the spring. I always had baseball. And it was so lame. Because you know if you're not good enough, you're going to be thrown out in the backfield somewhere, which is pretty much where I was. And I'm like, don't throw it over here! Don't hit it over here! Please! 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 Uh, but of course I'd have to have my shot up at bat and it's just like Oh, this sucks. Hey, any type of activity that you ha- I had to be in a group, like when we went bowling and stuff, the phys ed teacher would always have to put me in somebody's group. Because I was too shy to go up and ask for fear of being rejected. No, you can't be in our group. Uh. Maybe that's what Scotty's feeling. Like, oh my gosh, if I go up and ask if I can play, they'll probably laugh my ass right out of this field. Kid hasn't been there more than ten minutes, and his hair is already drenched with sweat. But then again, according to the trivia, Tom Gurry, who plays Scotty Smalls, like practically passed out. So I can imagine. I can't even imagine how hot it would be. G So while Scotty is waiting, you know, hanging out in the background, not being seen by anybody, of course the sandlot is got a fence kind of running the length of it, and we just hear this weird racket going on, like, I mean, if anyone said that that noise was a dog, someone would look at you and say, if, I mean, it sounds like the T-Rex from Jurassic Park. It's just really like, what in the world? That is no dog. You see clouds of smoke billowing underneath that fence. You see the fence rustling. It's like, what in the world? Oh, Benny hits a home run and that is when Scotty is actually noticed by him who's screaming, watch out! Like, dude, you're gonna get like a concussion. Because he sees, Scotty sees that ball coming right for him. He puts his mitt up to block the shot or at least help, uh, uh, protect his head and he goes down it didn't hit his head but it did like glance off his glove and he goes down shrieking of course all the kids are scree- screaming and laughing it's the most hilarious thing in the world Oh my! they're really huh, I would never react that way if someone threw a ball towards me all the kids are laughing, but Benny is the one who is just looking down, like shaking his head, his head, like, oh gosh, this, <laughs> oh boy. So Scotty gets up. He's like, hey, okay, I'll get it. And all the kids are like, we're waiting. What's the deal? Just get the damn ball for us and throw it back, because the ball happened to land by this bit of sagebrush. Right by the fence where the commotion is going on, and the kid's like, Okay, I got the ball. See, it's like, Okay, great. Can you throw it to us, please? And apparently, Scotty's never thrown a ball before because it doesn't go very far. The whole time he's going to get this ball, he's like, Don't be a goofus, don't be a goofus. Well, you kind of already did that when you screamed when the ball was like getting close to landing on you. He's already embarrassed himself. Apparently, this ball is a spal- Spalding ball, which is the brand name of sports equipment and sports balls. Let's see official major. what in the world? Leisure? That noise from that guy's backyard is so loud. How are people not complaining? They're like, hey, I'm trying to sleep. I work third shift. Can you shut your dog up or something like that? I mean, that's not normal. That is not a normal dog growl. Squin, shut your face. He's like, we're waiting Throw the ball back. I love how Benny is so nervously, like, scratching the back of his neck. Like, oh, man, I'm really gonna have to go to bat for this kid. Oh, jeez. Like, kid, you're not helping your case here. He threw it maybe five feet in front of himself. Okay, well... Should have gotten Bill to teach you how to throw a ball sooner, buddy. Now the kids are all collapsing on the f- ground, just laughing their asses off like it's the funniest thing since sliced bread. Not that sliced bread is funny, but you know. Or Scotty's gonna go run off and cry. <laughs> My life is over. <laughs> of course, we get the narration as Scotty says, "If it wasn't for Benny, I never would have made a single friend that summer." Oh. He's got an autographed, glossy, black and white, 8x10 picture to Scotty from Mr. Wizard. Now, I said I've seen this movie a bazillion times, right? That is the first time I have ever seen that picture on his wall. We clearly get that Scotty isn't really big on sports. He's more into his erector set. He says that even though he and Benny weren't friends yet, they were connected For the one moment later that summer. Here we go with the biggest pickle in the world. Yes, we get it. A big pickle. That's great. It seems like most of the scenes early on in the movie have Scotty with his hair plastered to his head. Like, we always see him getting ready for... You know, he's in his jammies. He's got at least two different pairs. He probably takes a shower before he goes to bed. I mean, I'm the same way... I like to be, you know, when I would get out of my job, it's like, I need to go wash my my job filth off me and be clean before I go to bed. That's just me. Isn't this kind of like this erector thing? It's kind of like ingenuity. You know how it like takes a a marble and brings it up? It's almost like, what's that? Is it Rube Goldberg type thing that like drops a marble, it goes down a chute. It does this. It does that. You know what I mean? Of course when his mom comes in right away she gets hit with a marble in the, the head right in the forehead and you definitely could tell i mean these two could be mother and son because she also has the kind of reddish hair it's like hey mom i'm sorry i didn't mean for that to happen you just was, you were in the wrong place at the wrong time so she sits down and pats the bed next to her oh he's got it he's got a extra sketch He's got so many cool things. Oh, there's a model airplane. Oh my gosh! What's that? Like the Hindenburg thing? The whatever that is. Um, he's, he's got corkboard. It's got filled with so many things. I want to see those other pictures. But she, of course, wants to sit him down and talk to him about the fact that. Sweetie, every single year, every summer we go through this, you sit in your room, you play with your erector set, and you make your models, and that's great, that's wonderful that you have hobbies, but you need to get out of the house and actually do things, experience life. Basically, I don't want you to be a shut-in. This is not healthy. You need to actually make friends. She's like, Scotty, have you made any friends yet? I'd be like, Mom, I've been here two weeks. Of course I haven't made any friends yet. All these kids have known each other since they were, like, two. She's like, no, no, I haven't made any friends. And she's like, why not? I'd be like, look at me. Do I look like someone that would make friends easily? (laughs) I don't want you sitting in here fiddling with this stuff. Like you did last summer, and the one before that, and the one before that. I'm sure he's like, stuff, mom, this is my life. This is what I do. What is that thing? It's like some plastic toucan Sam thing. He's saying, look, run around, scrape your knees, get dirty, get into trouble. Okay, just... Don't get into the type of trouble where a cop is going to be bringing you to the front door. That kind of trouble, no. Anything else below that, that's absolutely fine. I love how when she's saying, go make some friends this summer, lots of them. And the way he kind of like furrows his eyebrows that are like, this is the most foreign concept. But he just made a butt of himself in front of all those kids when he threw that baseball like five feet in front of him. He's got to start from, I don't know how he's going to get, you know, clear up that little uh, issue there. He says, you have my permission to get into trouble. Lady, your kid would be a dream for any parent. He doesn't do anything. He doesn't get into trouble. And you're telling him to get into trouble. I love how she says hop fences and climb trees, which is kind of funny because he goes to try to hop a fence later and there's a scene with them all in, well, that treehouse and then also another escapade with, you know, the tree and everything. This kid is really putting himself down. He's like, Mom, I'm not good at anything. Face it, I'm just an egghead. And she's like, honey, you're always going to be an egghead with an attitude like that. Bud, there's nothing wrong with being an egghead See, he hasn't hasn't met his people yet He hasn't met his other kids That like to do similar things I know it's like 1959 or 1962 at this time And maybe there aren't like robotics clubs Or computer, well, definitely not computer clubs This isn't Camp Nowhere But, uh, yeah So next morning, breakfast time Karen Allen is wearing this ru- this red house dress and she's got like this bright red lipstick that just goes so against her tan skin and her reddish brown hair. It's not reddish blonde by any no, it is reddish brown. I don't like that lipstick on her. It's just, ugh, it's too off-putting. Yeah, she's following up on, like, hey, did you ask your your dad if he would teach you how to play baseball? And it's like, yeah, but he's busy. He's got stuff going on. She's like, oh, well, he's right there. You go ask him again. I'm sure he just didn't hear you the first time. Like, ugh. And it's like... He, she's right there, so he can't just like you can't. Okay, bye. He can't do that because she's right there watching him. So he actually has to go and ask again. Crisp. I love that cereal. Now it's called Honey Crisp. Of course, here we go with the, uh, bill, I mean, uh, dad. Because his mom is right there in the doorway. It's like, oh, yeah, I gotta call him dad when she's around. Oh, so he's like, oh, um, remember when I talked to you about playing catch? Do you think you could still teach me? He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, sure, I can do that. I just, I gotta finish the stuff, though. He's, like, I don't know whether he's paying bills or he's just got stuff for work that he's doing. So he's like, oh, okay, that's fine, yeah. So, of course, he goes to the doorway. His mom is right there. As in, honey, go ask him again. Bill, do you think you could teach our son to play baseball? It'll take, what, five minutes? And he's like, ugh. I need to pay these bills. You don't have a job. You're not going to pay them. If I don't get them in the mail, they're going to shut off our electricity. Do you want to not be able to cook in the oven? Then let me pay these bills. you want to have a hot shower, then let me pay these bills and get them out in the mailbox. She's like, oh, honey, can you take a break and, like, teach him now? And Scott, he's like, mom, really, it's okay, we don't have to. She's like, no, no, honey, you, like, oh, my God. Yeah, great, so now he's going to teach him grudgingly for a half hour. I don't think you could have, like, given him an extra, I'm sure he's got more than one glove. Couldn't you give him one that isn't a Fisher-Price plastic glove? But he's like, alright, I'm gonna be down here. Here's the thing. You gotta keep your eye on the ball. That's basically it. He needs to start from scratch and say, see this, Scotty? This here? This is a baseball. And what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna put it in my glove and then I'm going to toss it to you and then you have to catch it with your glove. See? See? Okay. He's like, all right, if the ball moves over there, you got. He he has to tell him this several times. Like, see, watch the ball. Keep your eye on it. If the ball goes to your left, where do you put the glove? To your left. If it curves to the right, where do you put your glove? To the right. Okay. Do you need to try it underhand with him? Because <laughs> he tosses it and it just goes just above Scott's glove. Love, he's like, oh, darn, sorry. Of course, to spare himself even more embarrassment, instead of throwing it back, he goes and he puts it in Bill's glove. And he just looks at him like, what the hell is wrong with my stepson? Just kid up. What's wrong with him? He thinks that Scotty just needs a bigger glove. You don't got an a spare that isn't autographed that you could let him use. So Bill has him throw it back. Like I don't want you to walk over here and put it in my glove. I want you to throw it back. So Scott does a just rolls it, just underhand rolls it. Like oh my goodness. I love how Bill keeps looking at his watch like, oh my gosh, has it been a half hour? It's only been ten minutes? Oh, man. Ugh. Oh, Bill winds up, throws the ball, hits Scotty right in the eye. But at least he put the glove up to block. So, yeah. He still got hit in the eye. Ugh! And of course, he's like, my eye, my eye! What do you think is gonna gotta hurt worse? A baseball to the eye or someone's fist to your eye? Either way it's gonna hurt. But yeah, he Bill ends up getting a steak to put on Scott's eye uh, Scotty's eye. And of course Scotty's mother's like, honey, no, get some ice! Ice It's like, oh no, no, just put the steak on there. There you go. Is that sanitary? I don't think that's sanitary at all. You can see the blood on it. Oh!
1: It's
0: got to keep it on for an hour? You could have just left it in the packaging. I am sure plastic bags weren't invented in 1963 or 59, but that is so unsanitary. It's got to keep it on there for like an hour. You don't have a bag of peas? Nothing like that? I called it, guys. I called it. You've seen it in the movies, but there's no evidence that putting raw steak on a black eye helps heal it any faster. In fact, putting raw meat on any contusion or open wound is a good way to wind up with an infection. You heard it here, guys. You heard it here. Best tips. What's with the raw steak on a black eye? Uh, Let's see. What to do if you have a black eye? Should you really put steak on a black eye? No. Um, you may have a skull fracture if you have double vision. Bruising around both eyes, raccoon eyes, or bleeding from the nose. To take care of a black eye, apply a cold compress soon after the injury. Using gentle pressure, place a cold pack or a cloth filled with ice to the area around your eye. Great, so I guess your stepdad wants you to get an infection? Wait, oh, I'm sorry, you gotta watch out for that curve. Dude, he's baseball, like, basics, one oh one. We're not talking about curves. He hasn't got, that's advanced level. We're talking like, just here. He should have been throwing underhand. Why are you throwing overhand with him? Would you do that with a five-year-old? No. And it busted his plastic Fisher-Price glove, so he's out a baseball glove. That bites. So here is Benny and Smalls' meat cute. He's going to dub him as Smalls, not Scott or Scotty. Hey, what's up? You want to go play some baseball? We need another dude, another guy. It's like, oh, well, my glove is m- pretty much broken, <laughs> so I can't play. And luckily for him, Benny's got a spare. And it's, it fits right in his back pocket. Hey, we need an extra guy. You want to play? Uh, no thanks. And Benny's like, what, you don't like baseball? Like, I, if I were Scotty, I'd be like, you saw me there yesterday. I clearly like baseball, otherwise I wouldn't. I, it's not like I was like checking you guys out or anything. I mean, come on. Of course he likes baseball. And Benny's like, but what? And he's like, oh, but my glove is busted. See, I mean, the strings and everything. I love how Benny just rolls his eyes like, oh, this kid. I love how Scotty, like, opens the door, throws his old mitt, Fisher-Price mitt in there, and says, hey, Mom, I'm going to play some ball. Bye. Uh,
1: I'm going to go play some ball and we need an extra guy. You want to go? Nah, thanks. Why not? Don't you like baseball? Oh yeah, but, uh. But what? Uh, But my glove. It's busted. Uh, See, you know, I can't go. Thanks, though. It's okay. I got an extra one. Come on, let's go.
0: So we got the kids waiting. At the drugstore or just outside of it. They're waiting for Benny. And while they're doing that, Ham's doing an impression of the great Bambino. But he's got a fake candy cigar. And and they're like, "What? what? 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 Finally, he takes it out of his mouth. He's like, I'm the great Bambino. Like, oh. So... Scotty and Benny come out of the drugstore. I guess he's got a new baseball because they must need to get a new one every time they play. Bented. Scotty's never heard of the great Bambino. He's never heard of Babe Ruth. He really doesn't know much about, and by much I mean anything, about baseball. So he's like, oh, who's that? And immediately... He already made a crap impression by, uh, throwing that ball back and getting hit in the face. Or, uh, hit by the ball. So, exactly. <laughs> you only get one real first impression. So a second impression doesn't get oh, go over too well with these guys. They're, uh, you gotta impress these kids on the first try. <laughs> or you're SOL. Benny just looks like he is, his eyes are closed and he's just wincing like, oh, god. Like, he is really regretting picking up Scotty. He's going to be dubbed Smalls in just a moment, and then I'll start referring to him as Smalls. Of course, adult Scotty is narrating, like, I had no idea who they were talking about. Well, obviously, when you said, who's that? My <laughs> God! It. like, oh, what'd he say? What, were you born in a barn, man? What planet are you from? First, now we get all of Babe Ruth's nicknames. The Sultan of SWAT. The Titan of Terror. Colossus of Clout. Even Benny's like, the King of Crash, man. So, pretty much, Scotty's just like, oh, well, of course, yeah, I mean the Great Bambino, sure, I mean, I've heard of him. (laughs) Of course I have. I mean, I thought you meant, like, the Great Bambi. And him is like, that wimpy deer your tongue there ham Bambi was not a wimpy deer he was a prince So a lot more I can sit than I can say about you yeah like I said these kids do not think much of Scotty or Smalls on based on their second impression of him it's like oh yeah I guess <laughs> sorry Ooh. oh okay Benny calls him Scott first as he starts introducing the guys. Alright, that's Timmy and Tommy Timmons. They're practically identical twins except for maybe three or four inches of height. And, of course, the boys spit on the ground. All of them spit on the ground when they're, uh, being referenced to Scott. You don't even remember their actual names except for all their nicknames. Mike Squince Paladors. Okay Everyone just refers to him as Squints Like you say hey remember Squints in that movie Everyone's like yeah the Sandlot yeah They don't say hey remember Mike No If people say hey remember Mike You know immediately you're thinking of probably Stranger Things Like yeah I know Mike Mike Wheeler from Stranger Things yeah Granted that's like 20 plus almost 30 years Down the road from this movie But yeah Alan McLennan. Yeah, yeah. Because he says yeah, yeah all the time. Bertram Grover Weeks. Kenny DeNunez and Hamilton Porter. Man, if that Hamilton play had come on around this time, everyone would be referring to him. Hey, Hamilton. Since they tend to, do they make fat, I think they make fat jokes in this mode, fat shaming. But you think they'd be like, hey, Porter the Porker or something like that. Cruel like that. But no, they just call him Ham. And he's like, this is Scott Smalls. We're just going to call him Smalls from now on. Yeah, everyone mostly all goes by their last or name or nickname. Pretty much a nickname. This is nasty. They're all spitting on the ground. You people are going to accidentally walk in that, right? You got like eight people hawking up loogies. Go get the cat litter, get the sand, clean it up. Benny pretty much calls the shots like, hey, this guy's playing. We need an extra guy. Now we got a full team. All right, let's, we're wasting time. Let's get out of here and go to the sandlot. Like, no questions. Don't ask me why I brought him. I already told you. Of course, you know, they're all going to raz on Benny because Benny is the best. He's the leader of this team. So what he says goes. No one questions it. But they're going to question it. Like, they're going to question Benny's sanity. Like, hey, I could have brought my sister, but I didn't. And she would have made nine. And I guess there is another person they had who moved away who, well, we had this dude. He's crappy too, but at least, I mean, my gosh. You feel bad for, for Smalls because... He's just hanging back. He hears everyone's shit talking to him. He's he's not going to stick up for himself. Imagine him trying to take on all seven of those kids. They're all shoving him as they walk past. Like, why'd you bring him, Benny? So, Kenny, and this is a misconception that before the beautiful glory of subtitles. I did not understand what he said. With the subtitles, Kenny says, come on, Benny, he ain't game. It sounds like he said he ain't gay. And for a long time, I I kept, that's probably what I was hearing. And I'm thinking, what does his sexuality have to do with him playing baseball? Nothing. My God. Who is this L's winger kid? Apparently he moved to Arizona, but it's like, hey, at least he can catch and throw. This one can't. And Benny is like, hey, at least this way I can rotate eight positions instead of seven. I need the practice. And they're all like, hey, come on, you're the best on the team. You don't need any practice. We don't need that kid. So, of course, yeah, you think, like, oh, he's an L7 weenie, as in he's a square, because Squints is making a square with an L and a seven. And of course, yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, look at him though. He's a loser. He's a weenie. I don't think they call him a loser, but um. <laughs> Benny's like, hey, yeah, yeah. You walk like a duck, so shut up. And all of you, you need to get with it. You're a bunch of blockheads. You're a bunch of Charlie Browns. Let's go, well, we It's nine o'clock. It's now nine thirty. You've been yapping at me for the last like. 15 minutes that it took to walk here. We could have been playing ball. Instead, you want to complain about why I brought this kid with me? Oh my gosh. Squints is calling him an L7 weenie. We got, yeah, yeah, saying he's a Dodger dog. He's a big, giant wiener. Hey. And I feel bad for Smalls. He's like way out there. He knows they're saying crap about him and he can't defend himself. Well, he probably could, but he doesn't have the courage. To say anything. I don't think he sticks up for himself once in this movie. I love how Benny turns it around on yeah yeah. Like hey what are you laughing for? You run like a duck. And the other kids are laughing at him of course. And of course yeah yeah it's like yeah but I'm, I'm I'm, yeah, you're part of the game aren't you? Okay then why can't he be? Bertram's like hey he's a geek man. I'm like hey Bertram do you look in the mirror? You got glasses and your ears stick out. Who are you calling the geek? Blockheads, yeah, blockhead. You're a bunch of Charlie Browns. Stop being your Charlie... No, they're not being Charlie Brown. <laughs> that would be actually giving them credit. I'm not gonna... No. Charlie Brown is a, de- a good man, and they could not even live up to Charlie Brown's status. But yeah, I mean, we kind of get it. Benny is really putting himself out there, going out on a limb for Smalls. Like, hey, look, you take left-center and... To a kid who's never played baseball, we don't know where left center is, do we? No, we don't. So he's like, okay, here. Right here, right. And he's like, no, that's left. I said left center. And he, and Smalls runs a little farther out, like here, right? It's like, yeah, that's that's just right there. That's great. Mind you, the only thing that got to make this thing look like a diamond is the basis. There, it's not outlined in, like, white chalk or anything. So, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're the one who's being a jerk. So, he tells Smalls to throw it to second. He knocks it out towards him. And everyone's, like, just rolling their eyes. Like, why are you throwing it out that far? He's never gonna catch it. And he doesn't, but he's trying to get underneath it. And, of course, he trips. He falls backwards. And everyone's like, see, we told you, Benny. We told you he's not gonna be able to catch it. You're wasting our time and his. Benny, you should have told him to wear jeans. And ditch that stupid hat of his. And that button-up shirt. Oh. Smalls gets the ball, but as he's pulling it back to throw it, he's rethinking it like, oh yeah, that's what happened the last time. They're already laughing at me. Instead of giving them more am- ammunition to laugh at me, he just runs up to uh, Kenny and like puts the ball in his glove like, oh, here you go. And Kenny just looks at it like, Fuck. (laughs) Same way Bill was looking at him, when it's like, why are you, you throw it, kid? Smalls is very apologetic. I am the same way, that's just how I am, that's how I'm wired. Is it just me, or is Smalls' black eye getting more and more purpler? More, before when he was sitting out on the step and Benny came up to him, it was kind of pink. Now it's like a deep, like, purplish black. No, well, now Benny's got to get out there and just say, look, um, <laughs> you know, there is this, you, you, you've you seen people, have you watched baseball? I mean, you're watching us. Have you seen any of us actually take the ball up and put it in the catcher's hand? No, because we don't do that. We don't, we don't just put it in the pitcher's hand. What we do is we throw it, you see, and he's got to instruct him on, okay, have you ever had a paper route? And... Smalls was like, well, I uh, helped a guy once. Okay, great, great, great. Okay, here's what you do. Pretend you got a paper in your hand. You know how you're going to throw it on the step and you got to, like, pull your arm back? You know, usually your your arm gets here and then you let go? Same concept with a baseball. You get the ball. Pull it back. Get ready. Arch. And once you get to about here with the ball... Let it go, and it's going to do all the work. Of course, before we get to that, he, he does start with, you know, you can throw it, you know. And Smalls is like, no, I I can't. Uh, you know what, thank you for picking me, but I I don't think I belong here. I need to go home. And that's where Benny's like... You know, you think too much. Baseball isn't about thinking. you got to, like, leave that stuff. He even says, I bet you get straight aid in, AIDS in school, don't you? And Smalls is like, oh, I, get, I mean, I got a B once. I mean, actually, it was an A minus, but it should have been a B. <laughs> it's kid You're going to apologize for being smart. And the thing is, he Benny even says, like, if you were having fun you would have caught that ball. And you gotta stop thinking. Just just clear your head. Just don't be thinking that people are gonna laugh. They're gonna laugh because that's just that's just them. But once they see that you can do it, you're gonna fit right in. it's just don't don't worry about it. Of course, Smalls wants to know well how do I catch it? And Benny's like, all right, you know what? Put your love up in the air. I'll take care of it. And I love how Benny kind of spits on the ball before he tosses it up and hits it. And you just see, like, praying to the God. Like, please catch it. Please catch it. Please catch it. Ball sinks right into his glove. It's like, yes! And even, (laughs) because Smalls has got his eyes closed the whole time, but he feels that weight in his glove, that pressure, and he just opens his eyes like, oh, shit, I got it. (laughs) It's like, okay, great, throw it back. So he does, he just throws it, and Kenny catches it, it's like, see, I knew I could do it. it. Yeah, I knew the whole time. All of them were like, yeah. All right, let's play some ball. I love Squince's line. It's about time, Benny. My clothes are go- going out of style. <laughs> it's like, they already are, squints. I love when Scotty, or when Smalls gives Benny the thumbs up and Benny's like, all right, yeah. So this is the first little image that we get. Well, I shouldn't say little because this thing is humongous. We hear the dog growling and we see behind this fence this shadow of this ginormous, like, seven-foot-tall dog. These kids must live in this same little suburb neighborhood because Ham is walking off. We got S- Smalls with Benny. Of course, Smalls was like, Hey, Benny, don't forget get your glove. And Benny's like, Hey, man, Kia, but I, I got an I'm, I'm good, man. That's That's yours now. Thank you, Benny. He tells Smalls, Tomorrow... Bring a t bring a t shirt and jeans, okay? And it's like, oh okay. Oh, uh one more thing. Do you have a fireplace? And Smalls is like yeah. It's like, uh throw that hat in there, man, please. Do yourself a favor. And I <laughs> well, Smalls is embarrassed as he takes it off, like, yeah, I I mean it's it's really the only one I had. And again, this magic back pocket as Benny pulls out another hat, like, oh here, I got an extra. Here you go, here's a new hat. Like oh wow, this, the bearer of gifts is Benny Rodriguez. Of course, as soon as Benny leaves, Small says, like, "Hey mom, guess what? I made a friend and I got a baseball glove and a hat." All right, 8 A.M. Let's do this. Of oh, course, well, no, actually, um, before we get to that baseball stuff to remember, Great Bambino equals Babe Ruth. no, it just says the great Bambino. He didn't hear anything about Babe Ruth. Oh my gosh. Ham calling himself Hamilton, the Babe Porter. (laughs) And he sticks his arm out. He's doing a, he's doing a Babe Ruth impression. And of course, all the kids are laughing at him. Like, oh my gosh, you are Babe Ruth. You are not. So yeah, Ham's up to bat. And, (laughs) Benny's actually the catcher. He's taking um, a ham's roll. Interesting. Alright. Yeah. Danuna uh, Kenny strikes ham out. Like, what do you call that? What do you call that? Pitching? (laughs) This is baseball, not tennis. (laughs) All the boys' cuffs, especially Benny and hams, I notice, are, like, turned up. Like, by at least three inches. Or they're, they're kind of rolled up by the, yeah. So, Kenny throws the heater. Ham hits it, knocks out a window out of Mr. Myrtle's yard. He's like, you dick. And everyone's pissed off they're hitting him because, well, he got a home run. But as he's running the bases, everyone's like beating him with their gloves. Like, you idiot. Great. It's only 9 o'clock and now we don't have a ball. Do you know how much those cost? Like 60 or 70 cents. But you don't see these kids walking around with 60 or 70 cents between them. Now, Smalls doesn't understand what the big deal is. He's like, guys, chill. I will get the ball, okay? I'll get it. Of course, they see him trying to climb that fence, and they're all screaming, No, Smalls, get down! And they're peeling him off the fence as he's like, Put me down, put me down! Like, what are you doing? You can't go... Benny's like, you can't go back there. Like, the ball is gone. It's history. We can't play anymore. And he even says, I want you to go and peek through that hole in that fence. And you're going to see. He sees the ball and all of a sudden this giant paw comes out of nowhere and takes the ball and pulls it back. And it's just like, "Ah! something's back there. It's like, no shit. And he's like, what was that thing? And all the kids are like, camp out. <laughs> and we hear when the lion sleeps tonight. Going back to the after they pull him off the fence. Like, oh my gosh, you could have gotten yourself killed. You almost died. Do you not realize it?" I'd be like, what the hell are you talking about? I almost died. It's a fence. It's not like it was 20 plus feet off the ground. It's like, they're not, they're being very vague. He's like, well, you guys were leaving. And I'm just going to go get the ball. Like, if you were thinking, if you were thinking you wouldn't have thought that, or whatever, oh my god, you guys are so vague. I love how they say, you can't go back there. And he's like, well, how do you get the ball? It's like, well, we don't get the ball. And, of course, it's because of what's behind the fence. They don't say, oh, well... That's private property. We shouldn't be going back there regardless because it's someone's backyard. But then again, in 1962, it was perfectly acceptable if you knocked your ball over someone's fence that you could just go back and get it no problem. <laughs> yeah, right. So pretty much, game's over. Good another ball tomorrow. It's not a big deal. Why do you gotta wait till tomorrow? Why don't you just go out and get one? What are you gonna do for the rest of the day? They got TV still. I mean, this is 1962. They got TV. But then again, what are they going to do? Sit and veg in someone's living room? Like, ha it's so hot in here. There are other things they could do besides they can't play ba I still don't. Why are they going to wait till tomorrow? Why? Just go get a new ball now. I don't know. Ah, The Beast. Yes, of course. The Beast. Like, what's that? Go look in that little hole in the fence. Yeah, and Smalls is even telling Benny, who's, like, telling him, go look in that hole. It's like, but I saw, I saw something. What's back there? It's like, no, 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 just go back. Go and look in that hole. Someone's got a raptor back there, don't they? Someone has got a velociraptor back there, don't they? Chained up in the backyard. Because that's what it sounds like. That does not sound like a dog, I'm sorry. Maybe they got that dog from hell, Cerber- Cerberus, or whatever that dog's name is. I don't know. Wait, wasn't that dog three-headed? I don't, I don't, I can't remember. Well, Small is explaining why he's late. Like, I'm sorry, I'm late. My mom, like, made me put on my jacket, and then she made me wash the dishes. And they're like, shut up. We don't care. We don't need a play-by-play. Of course, Ham is the one who's manning the s'mores station. You can't tell me. S- Smalls, seriously, I want to know what planet you're from. You've never heard of a s'more. Are you serious? Yeah, Ham's like, hey, you want a s'more? And S- Smalls is like, more what? No, do you want a s'more? Do you want a s'more? It's like, how can I, ha- I haven't had anything yet. How can I have some more? It's like, and we get the famous line that is on every single Sandlot t-shirt in the world. More? Some what?
1: No, no, you want a s'more. I haven't had anything yet. So how can I have some more of nothing? Shut up! You're killing me, Smalls. All cut one. These are s'mores. Okay, pay attention. First, you take the gram. <coughs> you stick the chocolate on the gram. Then you roast the malo No, it's my sleeping bag. That's my... When the mallow's flaming, yes, it is yours. Stain on it. You stick it on the chocolate. I'm gonna set the place then on fire, you cover it with the other I can't end. Make me one of those. <coughs> yeah, me too. Then you scuff. I don't like that. Kind of messy, but good. Try yeah. Can Kate? I get my own? Fight,
0: <laughs> I don't want one. Neither do you to on it. You know what's funny? Like I said, the gl- the glory of the wondrous subtitles. And like I said, I've watched this movie a billion times. The stuff that's going on in the background is hilarious that I've never picked up on it before. <laughs> Because someone's like, hey, who caught one? And they're like, Bertram. And then someone's like, hey, this is my sleeping bag. It's got the yellow stain on it. Like, oh, gross. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And then, of course, you got, you're killing me, Smalls. See, this is how you make a s'more. You got a graham. You toast the marshmallow. You got the two little bars of chocolate. Squints, do you not like chocolate? Who doesn't like chocolate? Like, I don't want any of that chocolate stuff. Like, oh my gosh. I've never met a kid that didn't like chocolate. Seriously. So, what is it? Timmy and Tommy saying, oh, this is my sleeping bag. Oh, no, it's yours because it has a yellow stain on it. Oh, that's nasty. Love how someone comments on, hey, Ham, you're going to set the place on fire with those two candles. For two little, they are little measly candles. That is creating a lot of light. Sarah i can't I just can't get past the, the, the squint or yeah, was it Yeah, It sounded like Squint said I don't like that chocolate stuff that chocolate stuff you mean a Hershey's bar? Oh my gosh, <laughs> but ham ends up giving smalls the one that he just took a took a bite out of. I'm like, can I make my own, please? But well, that's the thing about boys, they don't care, you know, sharing, taking a bite out of something and passing it to someone else. They're not like a germaphobe or they're like, eh, I want my own. That tree house from the outside does not look big enough to house nine kids. It really does. The inside of it is just humongous. So here we go. We're going to get the story of the beast and how he came to be. How he got his name. It's like, Squint's is like, hey, are you trying to wake it up? It just went to bed. And Small's is like, what just went to bed? And everyone's like, shh. It's like, oh, and they're like, shut up.
1: Kate, quiet, you guys. <laughs> quiet. Are you trying to wake it up? It just went to bed. What just went to bed? Oh yeah! Shh. <laughs> <Jeez. Hey. laughs> <Shh>. Now quiet! <laughs> the legend of the beast goes back a long time. For any of us could even pick up a baseball. <laughs> back to a place called Myrtle's Acres. It all started about mm, 20 years ago, when thieves kept stealing junk from Myrtle's Acre's junkyard. So Mr. Myrtle, the guy that used to own the place, got him this new pup from the dog pound. He fed him whole size of beef. He turned the pup loose in the junkyard. And the pup was grateful. He grew into the Beast, and he grew big, and he grew mean, so that he could protect the junkyard with only one thing on his mind. To kill everyone that broke in. And he did. And he liked it. A lot. The Beast was the most perfect junkyard dog that ever lived. A true killing machine. But after a while, the cops started getting phone calls from people reporting all the missing thieves. Yeah, right. The ones the Beast had killed. <laughs> it added up to about 120, 173 guys. I don't think so. It's true. <laughs> but they never found a single body, not one. Some people say they all got away. But we all know what really happened. The Beast ate them. He ate them bone and all. The Beast was too good at his guard dog job. So the police said he had to be retired. My grandpa, Squigman Palidors, was police chief back then. When he ordered Mr. Myrtle to turn his backyard into a fortress and chain up the beast, and put him under the house where he could never get out to eat children and stuff. And that's where he's been for 20 years, and that's where he'll be for the rest of his life. Because when Mr. Myrtle asked the cops how long he had to keep the beast chained up like the a slave, they said until, Forever. 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 And so, the beast sits there under that lean-to, dreaming of the time when he can break the chain and get out. Dreaming of the time when he can chase and kill again. See, man? That's why you can't go over there. Nobody ever has. Nobody ever will. One kid did, but nobody ever seen him again. That ain't true. Yeah, it is. He got eaten. <laughs> Nuh-uh. No. None of that's true. You guys are just making this up to scare me. Oh, yeah? Stick your head out that window and like, down. Okay.
2: That night, I learned that more than 150 baseballs had gone over that fence and not one of them was ever seen again, even when some brave kid worked up enough courage to peek over. Because when they went over, they vanished. I knew it was true, because when I looked down in there, I didn't see a single, solitary one.
1: He's down there. Whatever goes over that fence stays there. It becomes a property of the beast <laughs> forever.
0: So, Small says probably about 20 years ago, and it's a story that's probably pass- been passed down from one person to another, and it's changed over time about the history of how the beast became the beast, Mr. Myrtle. There's a place called Myrtle's Acres. It was, like, a junkyard that the guy had owned. And he got this puppy, and he puts it in, like, this old RV trailer, feeds it these humongous, like, buffalo-sized racks. Like, the type of uh, rack of ribs that you'd see in the Flintstones uh, opening. Yeah. About that size. And apparently it took a couple weeks and the dog was like 10 feet to 20 feet tall. And about however Just huge. And, and the footage of the show, it's like it's a bee movie. Like it's that grainy black and white footage. And of course, Squint says his grand, grandfather's squid. Or was it his great grandpa. Anyway had been a cop on the 4th back in the day, and they were making a report on all the missing um, robbers that had come to the junkyard that no one was able to find. Turns out, supposedly, the dog ate the bodies. And they're like, oh, all these missing robbers and burglars. Yeah, right. So, (laughs) he says the dog is too good at his job of being a guard dog. He's got to be locked underneath the house. With a chain. And kept in the backyard. And of course... And the guy they got playing Myrtle. Because the kids have never seen Mr. Myrtle. So they don't know what he looks like. It's being played by a heavy set white guy. And, um... And when the guy's like, well, how long's my dog got to be chained up for? We get the legendary... Forever. Forever. I mean... Anyone who's... See, I... When I was working at Rite Aid my co-worker and I, who clearly had seen the movie were like forever <laughs> oh, it was funny, it was funny. This movie just it's so quotable. Smalls of course is calling bullshit on the story, like I don't believe it, you guys were just making that up to scare me. It's like no 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 you stick your head out that window and look down. And of course, Smalls did look down he. It's dark out, of course. He's not really seeing anything. He's just hearing that growling. He's like, "Oh my god, there's something down there." It's like, of course, there is something down there. You saw that the other day in daylight. You like, oh, there's something back there. Ham is like, "Oh yeah, I knew a kid who went back there and he was eaten. He was never seen again." It's like, no, 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 no. Okay, that's enough of that. So, Smalls is convinced. Now we're gonna go to the next day. We're gonna meet Wendy Peppercorn. Who is the object of Squint's Squint's affections? Cause they're coming out of the they gotta get one of Seems like every time they lose a ball, someone else has gotta be tasked with getting a new one. And it's gonna be Squince and Ya Ya this time. Clearly Squince's balls have dropped, but Yaya's hasn't because Squintz is the one who's going through puberty. He's like, Oh my gosh, Wendy Peppercorn! Mmm, yummy! It's like, what in the what? Dude, it was like, I'm not there yet. Gwen's <laughs> is so moved. He has to take off his glasses and like, cause they're fogging up. We get a close up of his blue eyes as we see Wendy Peppercorn walking down the street in a white and mint green checkered dress with a matching headband. Of course he's gonna point at her too! Awkward. He's want some 11-year-old drooling all over her, I'm sure. He's actually smiling at him. Like, she knows. She knows he's looking. I love how the camera, when it cuts back to squint, is, like, so high up. Because, of course, she's got to be at least how many inches taller than him. Okay, camera, you don't need to stay on her ass. For heaven's sake then again, Squint's is acting like anyone who's ever had a crush on an older person. It's just anybody, you're looking at your crush, you're smiling, you're like ah, <laughs> And it's trying to like bring Squints de- back down to Earth. Like, we gotta go to the, sta- the sandlot, come on, come on! And of course it's like, everyone's waiting there like, where the hell have you been? We've been waiting for like a h- half hour or longer. And of course, Yaya yeah yeah says, oh, squints was perving a dish. Uh-huh. Are you telling me squ- that Yaya yeah yeah had to like drag squints the whole way there? Oh my gosh. I bet none of those kids are wearing deodorant. Oh God, they must stink. And it's uh, like hotter than Hades out there. Hey, yeah, 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 he's calling it like he sees it, Squinch. You totally were. Like, your tongue was hanging out of your head and you was swooning. Like, oh, Wendy Papacom, my darling lover girl. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> cripe's sake, Benny's, like, sweat is dripping down his face. Ugh, it's that hot out. Lean To is doing nothing to expel that heat drinking pop that is the last thing you want to be drinking in that heat I get it Gatorade probably I want to find out when Gatorade existed although I hear like oh it's got too much sugar don't give them Gatorade you've got to replenish their electrolytes you guys should be drinking water so this is like 1962 or whatever Gatorade wouldn't be founded for at least another three years and it would have been right up their alley because they're sports players it's a sports drink you guys are just three years early. It's like, oh my gosh, it's so high here. It's like 150 degrees. Oh. Is that an outhouse? By that lean-to? They're really like, Benny, look, I know you love baseball. We all do. But we're drowning in our own sweat here. We need to come up with a second solution. We can't play baseball today. And, of course, it was like Bertram's like, hey, man, you gotta listen to him. We gotta call it for the day. We can't do it. All of them are literally dripping and drowning in their own sweat. It's so gross. So he's pretty much going to shame them into playing. Like, hey, whoever wants to be can't-hack-it-panty-waist who wears their mama's bra, raise your hand. Everyone's like, I got no shame in my game, but I ain't playing today. It's like, all right, well, fine, fine, fine. If y'all want to be that way, whatever. What do you suggest we do? And of course, yeah, Yaya's yeah, like, oh, oh, I know what we can do. Oh, they say scam pool honeys. So I'm guessing they want to check out the local action at the pool. Of course, Smalls is the only one not complaining because he's new here, so he doesn't know about this. They want to go see some ladies. Of course, yes, yes, yes. Yep playboy magazine i'm sure they're all like yeah we lied about looking through a playboy like i'm sure you did ham of course is walking past all the ladies that are sunning themselves and like, hey ladies hey, i remember you and of course he blows them a kiss and then does a cannonball into the water and just drenches these ladies oh like he's like oh yeah i remember you oh sexy Oh, he's got a flax. Of course he's got a flax. Uh-huh. Mr. Macho Man over here. <laughs> like, hey, check out these guns. <laughs> Girls are all going over there to scream at him. Like, you got us all wet, you dick. Not in the good way. They all went because Wendy Peppercorn was the lifeguard. Hey, Squint's is the only one who's pretty much got dibs on her. Who can see, because we get a close-up of Squint's, his teeth are chattering. Who has their glasses on in the pool? Anybody? I don't. Because he, like, takes them off and is, like, trying to, like, wipe them off. It's like, buddy, your hands are wet. You're just going to get your lenses more wet. So, it's pretty much a thing for him. He comes every summer, she's always there in the chair, lotioning, oiling her body for all to look at her. She is so smiling at him! She is! Right at him. And apparently it's too much like lotioning and oiling and smiling and oh my gosh, I can't take it anymore! They're all like, what the hell is he going to go do? So he gets out of the pool and he's going around to the deep end where the diving board is. And he takes his glasses off and he waves at her and she like waves back. And then they're like, what the hell is he doing? And it's like, I don't know, but that's a deep end and Squints does not know how to swim. Clearly they're all hanging out in the shallow end. So of course we see him sink like a stone. And Wendy sees he's not coming up, so she jumps in there and grabs him and pulls him out. Because so the kids are like, oh my gosh, Squint, Squin, squins, he can't swim! And that creates enough commotion that everyone's like, what's going on, what's going on? And she sees he hasn't surfaced, like, oh my gosh. So she jumps in there, pulls him out, and one of the guys is like, hey, you need me to step in here, Wendy. And she's like, no, 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 I got it, I got it. Apparently, it's been three summers that squint, so if he's 11, he's been doing that since he was nine. Or eight? I don't know. Whatever. Hey, they must- seriously, he's holding on to his glasses still. If you were unconscious, those glasses would be at the bottom of the pool. I'd be calling bullshit right there. And everyone's like, okay, okay, everyone move back, everyone move back, roll him over, make sure that he doesn't, you know, get the water out of his lungs. If she weren't so uh, good at her job, she'd probably notice that there's a hint of a smile on his face. Everyone's like, come on, Squins, come on, breathe, breathe, breathe. They really think that he's dead. Even Smalls, who hasn't even known Squins for very long, come on, bud, you can do it, pull through. Uh, yeah, look at that smile on his face. All the kids pull back like, what in the, what? Like, okay, what are you up to, kid? Seriously. But then he goes back to the, having his eyes closed. Because she's too busy listening to, listen for a heartbeat, which his heart would be beating the whole time. And then the male lifeguard and the other people around her all looking at him like, what the, what's going on? as soon as she goes to blow air into his mouth he squints grabs her by the back of the head as the song this magic moment starts up she eventually gets her head free like you little pervert and of course Timmy or Tommy's like oh man he's in deep shit like yeah he is he just probably got all of you kids banned I noticed she's got like blue eyeshadow on and still stayed on even though she was in the water is really yanking him along enough to shove him out the way. Like, okay, you kids, you're bad. Get out of here. Valley Vista Park Community Pool. Apparently the kids in there all threw the boys' stuff out at them onto the sidewalk. <laughs> like, here's your shit. <laughs> you can see as Wendy climbs back into that lifeguard chair, she is fuming. She is pissed. Ham hands Squints his glasses. I was like, hey, did you plan that? And Squints is like, of course I did. I've been planning it for years. Ham runs off and is like, hey guys, he planned this. He knew what he was doing. I was like, of course he did. So as adult Scotty Smalls narrates, he says, Michael Squints Pallodorus walked a little taller that day. We had to tip our hats to him. He was lucky that she didn't beat the crap out of him. Well, she could have. And I love how Smalls is like, yeah, We wouldn't have blamed her if she had, because what he had done was sneaky, rotten, and low. And kind of cool. I pretty much say none of them in a million years for a million dollars would have had the guts to put the move on the lifeguard. And I love how he's, like, hanging on the chain link fence looking at her. She's got her glasses on. And I love how she, like, tips them down just a little bit to give him a glare. And... Smalls, the whole time, is narrating. Adult Smalls was narrating, like, he kissed a woman, he kissed her long and good. Figured they would have gotten their butts banned from that place. Like, yep, banned from the pool forever that day. Well, I hope there's another option then for you, then, guys. Fill up that kiddie pool if you can find one. I love. (laughs) She is, like, just smirking at him and. Like grinning and waving at him, so he also, Smalls also says, every time we walked past the pool and Wendy was in her lifeguard tower, in that chair, she'd look down at Squints and smile and wave, and he of course smiles back and waves. <laughs> of course, we got the Fourth of July got the fireworks the kids are actually going to play at night with the fireworks lighting up the sandlot the kids are going to head to the sandlot to play a a fourth of July, a night game because it's the sky is just lit up with fireworks enough for them to play and what the heck Hamley grabs something off of the table cuz it's like Everyone in the neighborhood's got picnic tables set up and food displayed. He grabbed, what in the world did he grab and he just started eating it and laid it down? He's getting himself a hot dog set up to take whatever. (laughs) Oh, ham. Adult Smalls is just telling us how for the kids there, baseball was pretty much just baseball. But for Benny Rodriguez, baseball was life. Right, so after the 4th of July, kids are just hanging out, they're playing baseball, and who comes in but the Little League team to trade insults? They're kind of saying, like, hey, Benny, you could play on a real team, you know, why are you playing? And they're, like, playing with, like, a bunch of rejects and a fat kid. It's like, excuse me, do you want to get your ass handed to you? The biggest insult of this is going to be, you play ball like a girl, which is what Ham throws at uh, Will Horniff, his player, uh, Phillips. There's other insults like, oh, you bob for apples in the toilet and you like it, or you make Wheaties with your mama's toe jam. You're calling butt breath, fart face, what all these names. So they decide, okay, we're going to have an, a, a challenge. We're going to challenge you to a game, and then we're going to see once and for all of who we'll, the Little League team is better than you Sandlot kids. Isn't Will Hornuff, he played, like, a major dickhead character in that show Ghost Rider that was on PBS? You bob for apples in the toilet, and you like, shut, sit, what's with it? Yeah, and of course, like I said, the worst insult Ham throws at Phillips is, you play ball like a girl. And everyone just stops cold, and they look at each other like, oh, shit, <laughs> Like, the insult to end all insults in 1963. How old is this one guy? He looks like he's, like, 16, 17 years old, and you're hanging out with 11-year-olds? Really, someone's lying about their age. (laughs) Must be that good. Because this kid literally, either he's like 14 and, or 12 and had a giant growth spurt where he's over 6 feet tall. Because this kid is just, he's tall, he just, he, he looks like he's 5 years older than the rest of these kids. is just like Adobe something or other. Apparently if they're Little League, they're like sponsored jackets by whoever's like paying for the team's equipment. Fabrizio's Pizza or something. You know that him as the catcher there is going to be just heckling the hell out of those Little League players when they step up to bat. Hey, hurry up batter. It's going to be a short game and I want to get home for lunch. And of course, he's basically just distracting the batters. And it's like, oh, that's one. (laughs) Of course we get... You know, if my dog was as ugly as you, I'd shave its butt and tell it to walk backwards. Which is funny because, like I said, I've seen this movie a billion times! I could quote the dang thing! And I'm just quoting that from memory! And on the subtitles. Although, you know Ham is gonna take the greatest glee in heckling that Phillips kid. It's like, hey, is that your sister out there in the field? Naked? She's naked. And of course... Phillips misses. He's like, shut up, Porter. It's like, hey, I'm just trying to make some nice friendly conversation here. <laughs> it's like, hey, you think she'd go out with me? <laughs> all right. Now the Sandlot kids are going to be up to bat, and they are hitting homers all the way. Bang, bang, boom. All right. So, of course, they got to celebrate the victory over those Little League, that Little League team. And they're going to do so by riding... So, yeah, Benny's going to treat them all. It looks like 12 tickets for a buck. All tickets are 15 cents or 12 for a dollar. All right, go. So nine tickets. So what, they all get one? They all get one ticket? Okay. Of course, Adult Smalls narrates that, oh, yeah, we did the stupidest thing we ever could have done. So, of course, as they're getting ready to go up on the ride, Bertram calls them back because he's got Big Chief... Tobacco, which basically, like the trivia said, it's just beef jerky and licorice mixed together. They all take huge handfuls of it and shove it right in their mouth, just like the big leaguers. They're like, all right, let's ride. It's like, well, because, well, Smalls has never done this stuff before. It's like, oh, I bet you never heard of the babe either. I love how Benny comes up behind Smalls, is kind of like uh, rubbing his shoulders. Hey, man, it's cool. Don't worry if you don't. You know, you've never done this before. Oh my gosh, I got so many nicknames for this plug. Wad, chewing tobacco, backy. (laughs) What do you do with it? Well, you stick it in your mouth, and you chew it, and then you spit it out, basically. I did, oh my gosh, with the chewing tobacco, it was so nasty. Having to clean those mason jar glasses filled with leftover chewing tobacco. Ugh, it's so nasty. Again, you're killing me, Smalls. <laughs> you chew it, of course. Alright, so they all got big ol' hawk... Just a big old wad of it stuffed in their cheek. Like, Alright, let's ride. So yeah, they're gonna go on this dang ride. And... They're gonna pay the price big time. Because, of course, the ride... You eat anything right before a ride, you're gonna get sick. Regardless. Oh, this is probably back before Carnies made sure that those, maybe they only do it in amusement parks, where when you pull the thing down, they will come through and make sure that bar against your lap is actually locked in. Because they don't want any mishaps of someone going flying off the ride and being decapitated. So yeah, the kids are having a good time at first, but then you start to see those smiles are turning into Yeah, immediate discomfort. Bertram has a giant pack of uh chaw in his front pocket. Oh man. Oh, tequila is playing. <laughs> The kids are spitting out that chaw that's still in their mouth if they haven't accidentally swallowed it. The ride accelerating? Holy shit. How long is this ride? Usually rides are what, like a minute? Maybe a minute and a half tops, if that? But my gosh, it feels like it's going on forever. I to know what this belching, vomiting sound reminds me of. Stand by me's bar for Rama with Lard Ass Hogan and Gordy's story that he tells. We're like, bleh. And clearly, you'd see it was a hose behind the, their face, but this is different. No, the kids are just spitting that stuff out, and it, the vomit is just going, they're spitting over the side, so it's going to go onto the ground where people are walking. That definitely looks like SpaghettiOs. It's like an orange mint oh man, this girl got it all over her chest. Ew. These kids have it all over their shirts. I'm sure, their parents are gonna be like, what is this dang yellow or, or orange crap all over your-, your shirt? Of course, Smalls is working off a hangover of puking and chewing tobacco from the night before, cause um his mom and Bill are going on a trip somewhere out of town for his job. or she, Oh, she's taking him to the airport. And he's like, hey, when I come back, we'll pick up on, you know, catch and everything like that. Because she even looks at him a little concerned, like, honey, are you okay? You look kind of pale. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm fine. It's just the sun. Every damn day they got to get a new ball for crying out loud. I think I remember him saying like 68 cents for a new ball. Every single day, they're spending 68 cents for a new baseball. So they pretty much decided to swear, swore off the hard stuff as in the tobacco and stick with the cancer-free bazooka bubblegum. Okay, we're here again. The biggest pickle, that's the day. He's gonna get them all into some deep, deep shit. He says it all started with an omen, and Benny cracks the the ball when he hits it. Bust the damn! It must have been a dud, like the weaving that's holding it together. Someone must have been like drinking on the job when they stitched that thing, because I mean, come on, all the other balls that they've hit over that fence. None of them busted open like it was filled with firecrackers. Yeah, he basically beat the weaving out. I mean, the whole outer skin of that ball is on the ground and Smalls just catches all the the rubber and whatever shards of it in his gloves. like, what the hell is this? this is what's inside a baseball have you ever seen the inside of a golf ball it's really nasty shame no one brought a camera or i'm sure they could like oh my gosh we gotta save this this is like the first time it's ever happened it'll probably never happen again we need a proof all the kids are impressed the only one that isn't is benny and he's like damn it we haven't even been out here for an hour and i blew the whole day for us damn it we just bought that ball. It's not even an hour old. Hey, maybe you can take it back. Do you get the receipt? Just say, hey, I hit the ball. It just exploded. Luckily, nobody was injured. Can I get a replacement? Just say, can I get a replacement? That's all you got to say. I mean, I know it's like 1963 I'm sure if you still had the receipt, you'd be able to exchange it. You say, I need a new one. Like, again, dang, you boys are in here every damn day. I'm currently out of stock of baseballs. I have to put in another order. Why do you kids not have any money? You're buying a new dang ball every damn day. Every day you're buying a new ball. 98 cents for a ball? Are you shitting me? You're probably spending a dollar a day for a new ball. That's insane. He's like, hey, yeah, we can play. It's like, yeah, really? You got 98 extra cents lying around small? so like, no, but I got a ball. Well, like, go get it. So, of course, you know, his mom is at the airport dropping her husband off. And Bill's going to be gone for a week. It's like, okay. He goes in there, just sees, like, the Babe Ruth ball grabs it. And was like, hey guys, guess what? We can play now. I got the ball. It's like, alright, it's your ball. You get to hit. So he made a he made a joke while Smalls was at bat saying, hey, your fly's open. Of course he looks down. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> just kidding. Of course when Smalls hits the ball, we do see it says Babe Ruth on the front of it. And Benny is trying to catch it, but of course it goes over the fence again. Like, damn it. And Smalls is like, shit, this is, ooh, this is not good. It's like, hey, Smalls, you're supposed to go to second. And Smalls is just going over the fence like, oh, shit. Hey, Smalls, you're supposed to turn. So the realization is like, hey, we gotta get that ball back. And they're like, oh yeah, good one. (laughs) It's like, no, seriously, we need to get that ball back. like, No, that wasn't my ball. It's like, what are you talking about it wasn't your ball? Like, it was my stepdad's. It was autographed. Some lady signed it. Someone named Ruth, baby Ruth. And they're all like, babe, Ruth. They go over the fence. Of course, the Beast has got the ball, so they're fucked. It's like, are you serious? You brought a ball out here with Babe Ruth's signature and you actually played with it. And it's like, yeah, yeah, you keep saying that. Who is she? It's like, oh, fuck. Babe Ruth, the great Bambino. It's like, oh, f- that's the same guy. Like, yeah? Yeah. So it's like, all right, all right, just chill out here. Um, when is your stepdad getting back? It's like a, a week, okay, but it could be any 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 day. It could be sooner than that. It's like, all right, look, guys, look for bottles, cans, whatever we need. Ninety eight cents. We need to get us a ball so they can buy us some time. Cause they go get the ball, and of course they got a ballpoint pen. They gotta fake the signature. It's like, yeah, it looks pretty crappy. It's like. Who cares? It's a, it's just a temporary ball. It's just a decoy. Okay? Most likely it's going to fool his mom. So this is pretty much the second half of the movie, or more than the second half, because there's only 47 minutes left, is going to be about them trying to retrieve this ball. He's pretty much integrated. He's good with the kids and everything. They've accepted him, and now it's like, now the next half of the movie is going to be, we got to get this ball back. All the different ways that they try and fail to get this ball back from this dog.
1: We gotta get that ball back. Oh yeah, right. Good one, small. <laughs> oh, yeah, good one, small. Hey, about it, man. Just get another ball. No, you don't understand. Sure we do. You feel bad because you belted a homer, now we can't <laughs> play no more. No, you don't understand. That wasn't my ball. <laughs> what do you mean, that wasn't your ball? <laughs> it was my stepdad's. I stole it from his trophy room. It was a present or something. Somebody gave it to him, but we got to get it back. He's going to kill me. <laughs> You already can't stand my ass. Listen to me, (laughs) Smalls. It's the matter of life and death. Where did your old man get that ball? What? I don't know. Some lady gave it to him. Why? What? What? Uh, What? Yeah, she even signed her name on it. (laughs) Some lady named Ruth. Baby Ruth. Baby Baby Ruth! The bees got it. You're dead as a doornail, Smalls. You're dead as a doornail, Smalls. Smalls, you mean to tell me that you went home and swiped a ball that was signed by Babe Ruth, and you brought it out here and actually played with it, and actually played with it? Yeah. Yeah, but I was going to bring it back. But it was signed by Babe Ruth. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You keep telling me that. Who is she? What? What? The Sultan of Swat. The King of Crash. The Colossus of Clout, The Colossus of Clout, <laughs> Babe, Babe Ruth! The Great Bambino! Oh my god, you mean that's the same guy? <laughs> yes. Yes. yes! Smalls, Babe Ruth is the greatest baseball player that ever lived. I mean, people say he was less than a god, but more than a man. You know, like Hercules or something. That ball you just aced to the beast is worth. Well, more than your whole life, man. <coughs> oh, I don't feel so good. Uh, Pharaoh. Give him air, give him air. Come on. We have to get that ball back. All right, when does your old man get home from work? <laughs> He's gone on business. Out of town. But he could be back anytime. All right. Find out when. And guys, spread out and look for bottles and cash them in. We need 98 cents. We
0: gotta buy us a ball. I was gonna say, if they're in California, which I saw a California license plate, and he said we're in the Valley, so, and his, Bill's got a business trip in Chicago, he's flying there, so, yeah. And, mind you, this is early 60s, so it's not like he can just jump on Expedia and, like, here, I want to fight for blah blah blah. It's probably being paid for through his work and everything like that, so it's not like he can pre-rate me... Or, or, or change plans or whatever. Like, I gotta fly back a day early or whatever. I don't know. And one last thing, of course, Benny says that that ball that you just aced over went over the fence to the beast, that's worth more than your whole life. Was it really? I mean, clearly it was a mint condition. But then again, if he... if. Don't- I thought, like, you- there's, like, plastic you can wrap around the ball to keep it in mint condition. And it's just like, oh, we gotta get the ball- It's like, even if you got that ball back, it's covered in dirt, slime, drool. That ball is gonna be worth not a damn thing because of the condition that it's in. So, Smalls takes the decoy ball, puts it in the trophy room. Of course, as he's trying to- get out the door, oh, this must be, hold on a second, yep, his mom walks past like, oh, what are you doing here? Oh, I was just admiring Bill, I mean, dad's ball, his baseball, <laughs> yeah, she's like, oh, well, he doesn't really like you in here, like, oh, yeah, I I know, and then she starts talking about the Babe Ruth ball, and he's like, oh, shit, is she going to go near it If she knows that it's not the right, if it's uh, a fake, then I'm fucked, I'm screwed. And she says, Babe Ruth gave him that ball. Like, yeah, yeah, neat. It's like, maybe one day he'll give it to you. Like, eh, doubt it. <laughs> it's too late anymore. It's like, oh, really? Because she's like, yeah, Babe Ruth signed the ball. <laughs> neat. And it's like his eyes are just as big as saucers, and she's going near it, the ball. Well, so apparently Bill's father gave him the ball. Oh, good <laughs> grief. That's a kick to the nuts right there. Like, oh, the in at insult to injury. He is, like, dripping in sweat. What in the what? Ew. So, very much with salt and open wound, of course. Mm Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, even my mom, a grown-up girl, knew who Babe Ruth was. Gosh. So, this is his first idea, and of course he gets shot down right away. Like, hey, why don't we just knock on the door and ask Mr. Myrtle if we can get the ball back? They're like, are you nuts? He's the meanest man who ever lived. He doesn't want you on his property. And Squish is like, hey, are you out of your mind? He's the meanest man who ever lived. It's like, have you ever met the dude? You're just going based on hearsay. Just like that story from supposedly 20 years ago. Uh-huh. I don't think so. He made the beast eat that kid. Um, no. This backyard of Mr. Myrtle's is creepy. You got... arrows going through kites, one going through a doll's eyes. Like, what in the world type of backyard is this? So I'm going to move through these three attempts pretty quickly. The first attempt, of course, is trying to use the end of a broomstick to get that ball back. It's covered in spit and drool. That thing's ruined. And, of course, Squince has got, like, a cereal box type of periscope thing so he can kind of see the kids are working kind of blindly with the, that stick, and they're like, hey, move it to the left, move it to the right, okay. And they start just... But you know that that stick does not have a, a handle, uh, the handle that they're using, there's nothing other... It's just gonna push the ball farther away, but of course the beast gets wind of this, he grabs the end of the broomstick and just, like, yanks it out of their grasp, and just tosses it into the air, and it's just... Well, that's attempt number one. Attempt number two. Okay, so they got what looks like the end of a metal rod that's got a like a a pot on the end of it, and they're gonna try to get the ball that way. And they put, they turn the pot over on the ball and are able to, like, pull it back. But, of course, again, the beast is on to their tricks. Like, no, this ball is not leaving the yard. That was attempt number two. This is attempt number three with the vacuums. They're going to use the suction from the vacuum that's connected to a baseball mitt, hovering over the baseball. And it sucks it up, but, of course, again, the beast is on to them and breaks the contraption. No, actually what happens is they overload the power on the all those vacuums cuz they're the old you know 60s metal models. So and apparently one of them is up in the treehouse when these things just explode and he comes out covered in vacuum dust. So that was attempt number 3. Attempt number four is going to be putting Yaya in a sling and then putting him over the fence. So he can just grab the ball and they can pull him back up before the dog gets him. So that didn't work with Yaya. That was attempt number four. Now attempt number five, Smalls is putting his erector set to use and building a contraption that will just scoop up the ball and then be pulled back in reverse but of course the dog gets wind of that and it's like like I said that balling is not going to leave that yard so yeah five attempts all failed and Benny ends up having a dream where he meets a guy who supposedly is supposed to be Babe Ruth but it's not if you thought Bill had an amazing trophy collection and baseball memorabilia you should check out Benny's room because it is just whoa So Babe Ruth gives Benny some advice, says, hey, I hear you're in some type of a pickle because you got a ball with my John Hancock on it that went over a fence. Just hop over the fence and get it back. And, of course, Benny's like, well, I can't because there's a big gorilla-like dog that ate one kid already. I can't just go into the backyard and get it. It's like, so he tells him, hey. Hey. Everyone gets one chance in their life to do something great. Sometimes people don't take that chance. But you have an opportunity here. I love the parting words he leaves him after Benny realizes, okay, I should hop over the fence and pickle the beast. Gotcha. And he says, remember, kid, there's heroes and legends. He says, heroes get remembered, but legends never die. And he tells him to follow his heart and he will, he'll, you'll never go wrong. So, Benny knocks on Smalls' window, says, hey, I had a dream, get to the sandlot. He's got some new PF flyers, guaranteed to make him fly, apparently. He's going to attempt what one kid already tried to and got eaten, so. And even Smalls at one point is like, Benny, you don't have to do this. Like, basically, this is my problem. And, of course, Benny's like, No, Smalls, I have to do this. And he gets on that rusted old car and hops the fence. So, yeah, Benny hopped over the fence. We see the beast come out. He's got the ball in his mouth. And, of course, you see a close-up of Benny's face just disbelief. Like, what? This is the beast? I mean, I know it's probably about as big as a St. Bernard, but it's not like it's, like, 10 feet tall or anything and 500 pounds. It's almost like the dog had been expecting Benny to show up. I mean, with all the commotion and everything like that. The dog just drops the ball. It's like he's testing the kid. Like, go, take it. Go on. The dog the just drops the ball, rolls forward towards Benny. It's almost like, take it, take it. This dog is clearly not neutered because it's got a set of balls on him that any guy would probably be envious of. Good grief. So not only is the dog not neutered, but the dog is, where is its water bowl? You're telling me in that, those kids can't stand that heat. You're thinking a dog just being in that dark doghouse is going to be enough to keep it cool? This animal neglect, plus it's like chained up. That is a sad life, that poor dog. I love how the beast just kind of bites his lip, kind of like cocking his head a little to the side. Like he can't, he doesn't know what to make of Benny. Like the kid's not moving. Why isn't he taking the bait here? Versus Benny takes a step forward, the dog barks at him. And Benny, of course, gets nervous and takes a step back probably pretty much figures the dog's on a chain the dog's only going to be able to get so far so he cracks his knuckles takes a running leap grabs the ball and just darts off with it and gets onto the fence and onto that rusted out car till he's back in the air the on the ground on safe ground in the sand lot. I love, like, this old Western-style sound effects with, like, the crapping, cracking of the whip and everything. Yeah, you see that dog break that that chain off its collar. Everyone's congratulating, like, hey, Benny, you got the ball back. That's great. Oh, that ball is ruined. I consider that. Call that a loss. Of course, everyone's shocked as the beast jumps over that fence. I'm like, that dog is Gonna have some damage to it. Well, it's gonna be even more damage later, but... Oh my god. The fact that that dog, that large dog cleared that fence. Holy moo. Yeah, as the, as the beast is clearing that fence, and Benny's... Oh shit, you hear the song Wipeout playing. Kids, I mean, Benny takes off running, and the other kids are all just... Their mouths are, like, agape. Their, like, jaws drop. Like, what the what? Because they're like, that's the beast? Really? It looks like the kids are watching the, um, the Wolfman, I'm guessing. Is that right? And this lady's telling the guy that a werewolf can only be killed with a silver bullet, a silver knife, or a stick with a silver handle. All right. And it's just intercutting between the Wolfman and Benny running from the beast. It's like nothing is stopping this dog as Benny is running for his life. Not a car, not a paper boy. Not garbage can- Nothing. Benny runs through the auditorium with the kids watching the movie. And of course, in comes the Beast, who rips through the movie screen. Now that is creepy. You're watching The Wolfman. And all of a sudden- (laughs) The dog broke through the window? Oh my gosh. Gosh, is this the ending of Cujo? Because we know that dog goes through the window. Founders, okay, so it's 1962, so they have at least three more years before Gatorade would become a thing. Benny's running across tables and the beast is chasing him. All these people are just out having a great time. This dog is just plowing through. And of course, there's a cake that ends up falling on two bakers. And Benny is yelling at the kids, like, get back to the sandlot. Get back to the sandlot. Follow me there. Oh, they're even going through the pool area. Oh, my gosh. The kids all get back to the sandlot, but they don't see Benny. But here comes Benny running with the beast right on his heels. So Benny goes right back into Myrtle's backyard, kind of taking the dog back where he was. And, of course, Benny ends up tripping as... The beast jumps over the fence. Oh, the beast goes through the fence, not over. Okay. So Benny is like bracing himself for impact on the, like for the dog to take him down. Like he's bracing against the dog's doghouse. And that fence just has had enough because the dog is just standing there. And that fence just comes down on that poor dog. And it's like, oh my God, my heart, my heart. I don't know if he's saying look out to the dog, or because the kids are on the other side of the fence. This makes me wanna cry. That poor dog is under that fence and he's trapped and he can't get out. And even Benny is like, oh god. And of course, starting <clears throat> I'm getting, I'm getting teary eyed. Small says someone's like, guys, someone help me. He's hurt. He's hurting. And Benny finally goes over and helps lift the fence off the dog just enough for the dog to get free. The dog's probably got internal injuries and bleeding broken ribs. <sighs>
1: Guys, help me! Please! Benny! Benny, help me, please! He's hurt! Come on, I can't lift it.
0: Smalls is like face to face with the dog. He's just drooling. (laughs) You think the dog's gonna eat? No, he's gonna he's gonna thank him for saving his life. So, the dog's got a little secret here. After he, like, bathes Smalls' his face with his tongue, this, this he leads the kids over to where he's been hoarding all these baseballs that have gone over the fence for years. It's like, there's got to be hundreds of them there. It's like, we could play forever. Yeah, I think there's, like, at least 50 balls there. I thought there was 100. But like, no, there's, like, maybe 30 or 50 there. All right, let's go meet Mister Myrtle. (laughs) Boy, are they all in for a shock.
1: Hello, this is bad. This is very bad. Shut up, Sons. We brought your dog home.
2: <laughs> Hercules? <laughs> How'd he get out?
1: I'm telling you guys. Should've just turned it loose. Um, uh, well, uh, we, uh... Well, what happened was, we hit a baseball into your yard. <laughs> we tried to get it back.
2: So you're the ones been making all that racket. Yes, sir. You get it? Y- yeah First time that anybody ever got the best of old Hercules. Why didn't you just knock on the door? I'd have gotten it for you. Oh, my
1: <laughs> yes, Quince! Way to go! We got the
0: ball back, didn't we? Well, we didn't almost we? got
1: killed! Didn't we get the ball back? It's get the ball. Got the ball back. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Thanks for bringing him home. Come on in. We'll talk about this baseball.
0: Come on. Yeah, it turns out Mr. Myrtle is not a jerk like Squint said led everyone to believe. And the beast is not exactly the beast. The dog's name is Hercules. And they're like, oh, we had a problem. We hit a ball over the fence. We've been trying to get it back. It's like, oh, so you're the kids that are making all that noise. You could have just knocked on the door. I would have gotten it for you. And, of course, everyone's like, the kids are all yelling at Squint. It's like, Squint, you idiot. <laughs> so he's like, hey, you two, like, basically Smalls and Benny, go in there to talk about the baseball. So we do learn that Mr. Murdoch. Mur- Why am I calling him Murdoch? Mr. Myrtle is actually, he's blind, and because he can sense an emotion like you're in a lot of trouble, aren't you, son? And he's like, yeah. Uh, Clearly he knows, like, it's like this guy's got a sixth sense or something, like, you took this ball without permission, you just, yeah. And the nail right on the head with all that. Oh, Small says, oh, it was my stepdad's ball, he took it without asking. It was signed by Babe Ruth. And Mr. Myrtle's like, George signed this? And... Smells like George Herman Ruth? Yeah. Oh, now you're an expert! Before it was like baby Ruth. Whoops. (laughs) Now he's an expert. Like, he knows his whole name. George Herman Ruth. And he's like, oh, I take it back. You're not in trouble. You're dead. Where do you stand? Like, do you know the value of this ball? I mean, it's pretty much garbage now, but... So, Myrtle goes over to his cabinet, pulls out a baseball, and it's like, here, I'll trade you. And Benny's like, well, that's Nice and everything, but that ball really is signed by Babe Ruth. And it's like, yeah, so is this one, along with all the other New York Yankees. Oh, the rest of the 1927 Yankees. Okay. Lou Gehrig. Okay. Isn't there something called Lou Gehrig's disease? Okay. ALS first became well-known in the U.S. when beloved New York Yankee first baseman Lou Gehrig developed the disease and ultimately succumbed to it. Gehrig died in nineteen forty one at the age of thirty seven. I'm thirty seven. <laughs> well a year after he retired from baseball because of his condition. Whoa. I mean I'd heard of Lou Gehrig's disease. And I knew it had been named after some but I just and but see this is just I, I like finding out about these these things and just things that I wouldn't think of normally, so So, of course, Scotty's like, Smalls is like, why would you trade? I mean, that ball's all chewed up. And Myrtle's like, hey, check out my collection. Look at all this stuff. (laughs) I can sacrifice one ball that's signed by all the 1927 Yankees. He tells Smalls, you need this more than I do, buddy. So, I'm doing you a solid here. I'm saving your ass. So, yeah. It's like, wow, you knew Babe Ruth like George? Yeah. And he says how he was almost as great a hitter as I was. He's saying like, I would have broken his record too, but, and then Smalls is like, you went blind. And apparently he says that he used to crowd the plate to the strike zone and disappear and how pitchers just hated that. But of course, that's how he played 100% of the time. He's like, I played, you know, I was good at it. That's that's what I did. So apparently he says he went blind by getting hit in the face with a baseball? Holy shit. Small C, you're lucky you just got a black eye. You didn't lose your sight. So Benny's like, hey, I don't think we can take this ball. So Myrtle's like, look, you guys come by once a week and talk baseball with me. I'll call it a fair trade. Like a deal. Sweet. So we do see... Smalls giving Bill the murderer's row ball. He was pretty, I'm sure he's pretty dang, I mean his dad gave him that ball. His dad could be dead. And he gave him that Babe Ruth ball. Bill just grounded him for a week instead of the rest of his life. Okay. I'm gonna um, play this here where Scotty is pretty much saying what happened to everybody and they pretty much stayed through the majority of his junior high year. In that area, but then slowly people just started to move on. As people do, you know, maybe people you'll move away, they don't always stay in the same area and everything, so.
2: Even though Bill loved the murderer's row ball, he was still plenty mad about me having swiped his Babe Ruth autograph (laughs) ball and ruining it. So I didn't feel too bad when he grounded me for a week uh, instead of the rest of my life. Wow. Things worked out between me and him and from then on I didn't have any trouble just calling him dad all the time. We all lived together in the neighborhood for a couple of more years mostly through junior high school and every summer was great but none of them ever came close to that first one. When one guy would move away we never replaced him on the team with anyone else. We just kept the game going like he was still there.
1: Wow. It's starting to hurt my hand. Don't miss it!
2: It was weird that Benny had said Babe Ruth was like the Hercules of baseball, and the beast's name ended up being Hercules. None of us could ever figure out what that meant, but we were all amazed by it. I kept in touch with those guys over the years, and I found out that Yaya's parents shipped them off to military school. After the army, he became one of the pioneering developers of bungee jumping. Of course, we all know why. Bertram, well, Bertram got really into the 60s, and no one ever saw him again. Timmy and Tommy became an architect and a contractor. They started out small, designing <laughs> playground equipment and prefabricated tree houses. But they became multi-millionaires when they invented mini-malls. Squints grew up and married Wendy Peffercorn. They have nine kids. Holy shit. They bought Vincent's Drugstore, and they still own it to this day. Hamilton Porter became a professional wrestler. You know him as the Great Hambino. De Nunes played triple-A ball, but he never got to the major. He owns his own business now, and he coaches a little league team that his sons play on, called the Heaters. Hercules lived to be 199 years old, uh, in doggy years. I was the last one to move away, but when I did, the sandlot was still there. After Benny Pickled the Beast, his reputation spread all over town. From then on, he was known as Benny the Jet Rodriguez. And the nickname stuck with him for the rest of his life.
0: So, Smalls pretty much says, like, after a while, I mean, they got, you know, him and Bill got, you know, fell into pretty good as far as, it, he, wasn't, he ended up just calling him Dad instead of Bill. So that's pretty awesome. He says they stayed there a couple more years in in the neighborhood while he was finishing up junior high, and we go to the sandlot and we do see one by one the players kind of disappear as Smalls kind of narrates what happened to them. Yeah, his parents shipped him off to military school. Once he got out of the army, he was working on um stuff for bungee jumping. Bertram got into the 60s and he kind of disappeared. My guess is maybe he overdosed on heroin or acid or whatever they did back in the 60s. I don't know if it was heroin, but um, we'll just say he got too into the 60s and OD'd. Um, Or, who knows. So, Timmy and Tommy ended up Making prefabricated tree houses, it's kind of funny how he calls back to when Benny had said that Babe Ruth was like Hercules and that the beast's name actually ended up being Hercules. It's kind of funny because they got this like baseball type shirt on the dog that has Hercules across the chest, <laughs> and it's just funny that i was just sitting there. <laughs> it's almost like the dog became a mascot because it's hanging out there with them while they're playing baseball. I don't see a bucket of water for that dog. Get him a bucket of water. It's hot out there. Interesting. So, yeah, yeah, after going to military school, actually went into the army. All right. And he became one of the pioneering developers of bungee jumping. Not surprising. So, Timmy and Tommy became an architect and a contractor playground equipment and prefabricated tree houses. All right. But they became multi millionaires when they invented mini malls. Ah, cool. <laughs> of course, we figured Squins grew up, married Wendy Peppercorn. They got nine fucking kids. Holy shit. But then again, my mom is one of ten kids, and my, or my mom was one of ten kids, and my dad was one of nine kids, so, yeah. And of course, I guess they bought Vincent's Drugstore, you know, the drugstore that you see the kids coming out of constantly buying baseballs every single day? Yeah. Not surprising, Ham became a professional wrestler known as a great Hambino. Interesting. So Kenny De Nunes played Triple A ball, but he never got the ma- majors at all. But he owns his own business and he coaches his son's little league team called the Heaters. <laughs> Apparently, Hercules lived to be 199 years old, about 28, er, so 199 years and dog years, but 28 years. no way in hell did that dog live to be 28. That is a large breed dog, the, honestly, if anything, it maybe lived to be 15 years. Who knows? But it sure as hell did not live to be 28 years old. The small says that he was the last one to move away. He says, but when I did, the sandlot was still there. So... Turns out he kind of followed Benny to the major leagues and Smalls is the quiet kid ends up being the sports announcer. Wow. Apparently after Benny had pickled the beast, went toe-to-toe with him, his reputation spread all over town. Then he was known as Benny the Jet Rodriguez. Apparently the nickname stuck with him for the rest of his life. Good for him. He's playing for the Los Angeles Dodgers. So we see... Babe Ruth, apparently the ball that Benny had written on is a... See the decoy ball that Benny had put Babe Ruth on, but he put an E on the end. We also see what looks like the chewed up ball. And then we see the murderer's row ball. They're all on their own special little mini uh, three pronged pedestals. Is that Smalls' Fisher Price plastic mitt? I bet it is. I bet it is. It's funny, this time around, I'm catching things I didn't catch on the last 30 different views over the last, like, 25 years. That damn hat! He never did throw that in the fire. Ugh. Of course, Benny, pulling the same trick he did at the beginning of the movie, stealing home. Guessing, then, Smalls must have inherited all of that stuff. That was in Bill's trophy room. Because all the pictures that are framed were there. The baseball, all of that stuff is there. Because if you think about it, then he's got to be at least... This has got to be present day, 93. So, let me... so if that's the case, I did the math. So it was 1962, they two. They're probably like, what, 11? And this is present day, clearly, so it's like 93. So they both got to be about 40. Then I was or pretty close to 40 then. You'd think that Benny would get, be getting close to retirement. I don't know how how long baseball players play for, but... Benny gives a thumbs up to the uh, to Smalls. Just like they did the, when they were kids. And we close out on the picture of the kids. Aw. Who took their picture? <laughs> maybe Scotty, maybe Smalls' mom like, yeah, hey, I want to take your picture, boys. All right, everybody, that was The Sandlot. I hope you guys enjoyed me covering it. I definitely enjoyed rewatching it after all this time. And as promised, I wanted to get to some goofs on this movie, courtesy of IMDb, of course. Alright, at several points in the movie, we see lights on at Mr. Myrtle's house. You know, I noticed that too. However, Mr. Myrtle is blind and lives alone, so having lights on would be useless to him. However, contrary to popular belief, most people who are legally blind still retain a small amount of residual vision, and they do tend to rely upon it in their everyday lives. Thus, Mr. Myrtle, having the lights on in his house to assist with what little vision he would have left is not an error. Alright. I'm not going to go through all of these because there's a gazillion of them. Alright, when the boys go to the Sandlot, a couple of days after their botched fair celebration, they walk past a 1963 Ford Futura, even though this film takes place a year earlier. When Squins walks to the diving board, you can see under the diving board a new Sprite soda can lying between the base and the diving board. You know, I missed that. When Scotty puts its plates in the kitchen sink, a Pillsbury Doughboy cookie jar is seen on the counter. The movie takes place in 1962, but the mascot wasn't introduced until 1965. Hmm... Timmy wears a modern, early 1990s graphic T-shirt under his button-down shirt during the scene where the boys, when the boys tell Smalls not to go over the fence. You know what? I remember that. I was looking at that and kind of trying to place, like, what is on his shirt. When the boys arrive, okay, I totally missed this one. When the boys arrive at the fair, the gravitron is seen in the background, although it wasn't introduced in nineteen eight until 1983. Whoa wait a second. Well, wait, never mind. Okay. <laughs> I was going to correct myself in my head. Um, I remember riding the Gravitron. Have, has any of you ever rode the Gravitron? Where it, it almost looks like a spaceship, and then when you go in, there's these benches that are against the wall, these padded benches, and you just lean back. And it's like magnets that just hold you in place. And spin you around, and then the uh, padded bench, like, while you're laying up against it, is just going up and down. It's really, like, So you're going up and down and around and around really fast. The sound of a ball hitting a metal bat is sometimes used, even though the kids are using wooden bats. You know, I thought that pinging sound of metal against a ball just... I remember hearing that and just thinking, yeah, that does sound like a metal bat. See, this scene with the whole CPR, Wendy, you know, giving Squint CPR, remember how I had said this, that someone got this from the, is in the goofs, and it's like, that's the same observation I made. When Squint is pulled from the water by Wendy, he is still clutching his glasses. This makes sense because he's only pretending to be unconscious. Where where he actually unconscious, his grip on his glasses would have slackened when he is a trained lifeguard, and there's no way she could have taken this into account before giving him mouth to mouth honestly, in a moment like that where you gotta act you gotta react fast, and the last thing you're thinking about like oh, hmm, that kid's holding on to his glasses is he really unconscious you wouldn't be thinking of that all you're thinking is this kid's got mere seconds. And he's going to be dead if I don't put air into his lungs. Oh, this is proven by Mythbusters. It is impossible to hit the hide off of a baseball. Interesting. Mastiffs, the breed of the beast, are quite docile, the opposite of the depiction in the movie. This was done on purpose to show how young children always imagine things to be scarier than they are. Because if you think about it, none of the kids have ever actually seen the beast. They're only going based on hearsay of what's been told to them. You know, stories that have probably been passed down from years and years and years. And just the utter shock of those kids, when they see that dog, They're even Benny's like, Hey, he has to, like, rub his eyes. Like, am I really seeing this? This is the dog that we've been afraid of this whole time for so many years? This dog here? It's because they built him up to be this giant dinosaur-sized dog. When in reality, he's probably no bigger than a St. Bernard. Alright, so what I'd like to do with the reviews, I'd like to do a really good, like, find a good 10 out of 10 review. And then I'd like to try to find one that's, like, the lowest Just so we can be like, oh, that person is never talking about. Okay, this one here, 10 out of 10, from 2004, titled, An All-Time Classic Movie. I grew up watching The Sandlot, and what I realized about this movie is... That this film doesn't have the players winning or losing, but this is about friendship, and how a big dog can make your worst dreams come true. The Sandlot is about a gawky kid named Smalls, Tongari, who just moves into the neighborhood and tries to blend in with the crowd, until he fails. Mike Vitar, who plays the neighborhood baseball hero, Benny, Helps Smalls play baseball and fit him in with the crowd. The team accepts Smalls, and what makes the film interesting, like i written above, is that this film isn't about winning or losing, but about living your days in the summer when you are 10 to 12 and realize that there is more to life than winning. Overall, a great movie. Alright, I did manage to find a 1 out of 10 review, also from 2004, titled Am I Missing Something? Contain spoilers, I viewed this movie on the enthusiastic recommendations from friends. Based on that and the great comments on IMDb, I guess I didn't get it. I don't get it. My wife and I both thought this was possibly one of the worst movies we have ever seen. The boy's acting was wooden and terrible. The story was ridiculous. Maybe if you were six or seven years old, it might be believable. But any adult should find this movie barely watchable. Excuse me, excuse me. Yes, you're entitled to your own opinion. I get that. But come on, every adult should find this movie barely watchable? Well, how many of those adults probably were kids right around the age of these kids in this movie watching that movie. I was 11 when I saw this. But as I said, you know, everyone's entitled to their own opinion. The main character can't throw a baseball to save his life until his new friend tells him to throw it like when he delivered newspapers. Then he throws like a pro. Come on. The ragtag group easily defeats an organized Little League team. Huh? Babe Ruth appears in the friend's dream, but looks like and talks like George Burns. Wasn't Joe Don Baker available? I don't know who that is. Okay. Then the white junkyard owner turns out to be James Earl Jones and just happens to have a baseball signed by all the Yankees. What a pile of garbage. (sighs) Okay, this person didn't, like, rate it. They just left the title, just like Stand By Me, without the good writing or acting. What a god-awful piece of tripe this is. It's the worst kind of derivative junk that tries to pass itself as cinema. It takes the narrative style from Stand By Me and inserts it into a lame Little Rascals-esque kiddie film. The acting is lousy, with the depth of emotion ranging from kids screaming to, well, kids screaming. There's an awful lot of screaming in the film. It's really Harvey Dunn screaming. <laughs> I'm sure this was supposed to be funny, but it really gets on the nerves after a while. And while I'm at it, what in blue blazes was an excellent actor like James Earl Jones doing in this movie? You're supposed to believe that this man was a baseball player who played with Babe Ruth? But of course there's the problem with the fact that the league wasn't integrated at that point. Maybe they made Jones' character blind so I wouldn't have to look at it nauseatingly trite dialogue. I know I was wishing for a fastball to come knock out my lights so I wouldn't have to sit through the rest of this. My eight-year-old nephew was bored by this movie. Stinks on Ice was a succulent review. I don't know what that word is. <laughs> so yeah, those were the reviews and the goofs. Again, guys, I like I said, I love... Watching these movies I grew up with, even like I said, the title of the podcast is "Looking Back on My Wonder Years." It was fully started with the intention of covering the show The Wonder Years, and I did. And now it's about covering you know, other shows I grew up with, other you know movies I grew up watching as a as a kid and a preteen and everything. And it just I'm having f- so much fun with this, and I hope that you guys are having fun, you know, listening to it, getting a kick out of it. And I just thought. Why not do the sandlot around the 4th of July weekend? It was the perfect time. So, here's a review. Have a great and safe 4th of July, everybody. Bye-bye.